Yeah, you're good now. You froze for a second, though, at least on my screen. Maybe it's just me. Is that you with with a ticking clock, Marty, in your office? Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Growing the Fishes podcast, episode 117. With an old school intro. Me and Marty used to always fuck up the intros. That was was classic. I blame Josh for that one. (laughs) No, you can blame me for whatever reason my hand is lagging. Used to. It sounds like you still do. Yeah. Hey, you're flying the wall. Get out of here. See if I can figure out what the hell's causing that on my end. In the meantime, um, thanks everybody for watching. It's great to be back after another year. Uh, what is this, Marty? This is the third or fourth year. We started this in 2015, I think, right? In, in March or February. And I, I smoke way too much weed to remember that. <laughs> um, I can look that up. It's bit, but uh, anyways, it's been quite a few couple of years now. It's been really awesome. Have this whole community. Wow. Yeah. Let me really. see if I can check my YouTube channel. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up while we're, while we're chatting. So um, this week we decided, uh, I tried really hard to get us a guest. Um, every We actually had two people that were going to hopefully be on the show that had to reschedule last minute. And um, we're actually going to get, uh, we got a couple of cool people in the queue. We have the guy from Vortex Brewers. He's going to be on the show with us soon. We have um, uh, Josh was oh, next week. Actually, you know what? Next week, you're going to definitely want to tune in. There's going to be a lot of really awesome guests. But we're going to keep it a secret, I think, at least for now. We're going to have a whole bunch of people from the Science of Regenerative Organic Cannabis Conference, a bunch of the different speakers. Um, actually, uh, so if you're looking to, to, to find out more, it'll be a really great episode. In fact, Josh, do you want to um, tell everybody about that real quick? Yeah, we're, we're, going, to, well, we're going to be setting up for the conference in Vancouver. <clears throat> That's next um, a week from tomorrow where it starts, 9 a.m. So, um yeah, so we'll be up in Vancouver. We got a house rented, and uh, we'll have a handful of folks that are coming in to be speaking the next day. Um, so I'll, if you, you could track it down, if you followed through the website and looked at the schedule and saw what was going on, <clears throat> you could see who was going to be around. Um, yeah, and then we'll have some breeders hanging out in the house, and um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a blast. So I'm really excited. Um, yeah. If you cool. guys know peeps in Vancouver, you should uh, get the word out because um, we're actually right across the street from uh, the Lyft Conference, which is the very largest uh, cannabis convention up in Canada. But it's like, you know, uh, a real big time, a lot of suits, you know, kind of a lot different than, than what we do. You know, we're just doing a, a small educational thing. So we kind of plan it to be close by so the folks could bounce over if they happen to be in town for the Lyft. So night sessions will be opened up too. Um, if you want to just come for the night sessions, you could do that on Friday night. We're um, hoping to have a hash set, hash ses- hash session. Um, waiting for confirmation on that. And then Saturday night will be uh, a Dempier farmers panel. And uh, Sunday morning we're going to do a growers panel with Joshua Steensland. Um, as an indoor no-till gardener, myself as a greenhouse no-till gardener, and uh, my uh, neighbor, so to say, Mount Baker Highway, Kenny, uh, who is a full-term uh, no-till gardener. So it'd be, be kind of good just to 
rap about the different perspectives and how we, you know, attack things differently. And that that's also the day that we're, we're at right after that will lead into a talk on genetics. So it'll be a really good segue because we'll be mostly talking about the different genetics we use in those systems, you know? So, yeah, well, I'm really excited. You want to uh, tell people about the speakers for those last minute that are up in Vancouver or nearby uh, or in Washington or Oregon that might want to shoot up to this? Yeah, you, if you are anywhere near, please come. Uh, we have uh, on Friday, Leighton Morrison, who uh, co-organizes um, the conference with me, and uh, Dr. Elaine Ingham, SoilFoodWeb.com. Um, Chip Osborne talks about soil chemistry. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's soil testing. And then uh, Steve is going to come and talk about uh, greenhouse design and aquaponics. Um and then, like I said, we'll have a have a hash evening, uh, hash event evening on Friday night. We're kind of working at the details on that. That's why I'm being vague. <clears throat> and then Saturday morning, we go into uh, biostimulants with Chris Trump, who does Korean natural farming, um, and Dr. Uh, Robert Faust from BioAg, who is a fulvic acid and humic acid um, guy. And then in the afternoon, we switch to uh, Suzanne Wainwright Evans, the bug lady. She talks, talks about IPM uh, using beneficial insects. Um, a lot of people try to cover that topic, but she brings a different perspective on, on the whole thing. And she kind of teaches like how we're all messing it up, you know, and, and, you know, when I was using beneficials a couple of years ago, I wasn't having success rate, but it was mostly because I was buying the wrong bugs and applying them incorrectly. And I still see so many people, they'll be buying the right bugs, but they're applying them incorrectly and sourcing them incorrectly. And so her talk is really powerful. Um, and then uh, later on that afternoon will be Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine. And uh, they've been up farming in, uh, we've had them on the show a couple of times, but they've been farming up in Northern uh, Canada for the last 20 years in full term outdoor um, and hoop houses, Walpini type designs. It's, very impressive what they do. Um, that's that's just the tip of the iceberg of what they do. They get into a whole slew of stuff. They make uh, biostimulants, nutrients um, in form of tea brews that they sell. Um, they also make a bunch of uh, healing products too that are the cannabis and uh, fungus based that are really interesting. So um, yeah, and then we'll do a Dempier Farmers Panel, which is uh, their their thing, Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Uh, certified farmers so that's uh, really really exciting and then Saturday like I said we'll have the growers panel and then we'll move into uh, genetics Kevin Jodry will kind of bring, bring you know organize that whole event and we'll have a handful of breeders we haven't announced them all yet but I do know that uh, Kaya from Pacific Northwest Roots will be there and Chimera will be there so um, we'll have a couple more guys well, maybe girls, and uh, it's going to be really exciting. We'll also have a seed swap, um, a genetic swap um, during the lunchtime portion. So bring your monies, bring your seeds, and uh, yeah, be looking to hook up from uh, folks and bring stuff if you got stuff to share, please. So yeah, and you can find uh, find any more information and buy tickets at regenerativeorganiccannabis.com. Yeah, so uh, hint, hint, some of those guests might be, uh, our speakers might be guests on the show next week. 
So. <clears throat> You'll definitely want to tune in for next week. It'll be a good one for sure. Um, uh, yeah, so that's always uh, a big blast. I know uh, last year I got a pleasure of talking. Um, Leighton and Josh invited me over to speak at that conference, and I learned more at that conference last year than I did in probably the previous five years' worth of going to conferences. It was just cooked down in a way that was, you know, very applicable to a real-world application in a farm, you know, not just trying to preach on the ideology or, or on a, um, you know, specific way of doing things, actually, like, here's what works on a commercial scale on my farm with, you know, my 400 plants or my 800 plants or whatever. Um, and, and here's, here's how it breaks down. And this is why it's more cost effective. And this is why it makes more sense, you know, economically and environmentally. Uh, and, you know, especially when you're going for licensing, you know, we're going to talk about licensing and everything else in the state of the industry. You know, if you're doing aquaponics or sustainable soil or, or no-till, you know, that's going to get you a lot better chances of getting your stuff passed than a guy doing, you know, all indoor, you know, dumping chemicals down the drain, making it a problem for the, the water department. You know what I mean? So you're going to win against them every single time when you go up against the city council. And that's one of the big, another big advantage to aquaponics, especially when it comes to licensing, which is kind of two thirds of the battle of actually just getting opened. is just getting through the licensing process. It really is 75% of the, you know, 60 to 75% of the, the battle of, of you know, Lord knows Marty and I have gone up that fucking hill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, and I know Josh has as well with, with the struggles. So, but we thought uh, last year, at the beginning of 2018, we did a kind of an episode on uh, what the state of the industry was in, what, you know, what was legalized, what wasn't, you know, how many states were, and what states were looking to legalize that year. And I thought we'd kind of do that again, kind of talk about what's kind of happened this last year, especially, you know, it's kind of, the West Coast has kind of imploded, with the exception of Nevada, really. Um because they actually managed to do things with the exception of the transportation part of it, which was a spectacular screw up. Um, they literally had to declare a state of emergency in order to maintain the flow of spice or cannabis as we like to call it. Um, a little bit of a uh, Dune reference, but uh, uh, I thought it'd be fun to do. Uh, anyways, so they ended up making it so the liquor control board would control their um, distribution and transport of the cannabis products. Well, the liquor control guy. Anybody else frozen? Yeah, I lost him too. <clears throat> All right then. But uh, I think oh. he was. He was. Are you coming back, Steve? Am I here? Yeah, you are now. That's about 20 seconds. Oh, damn. I'm not sure what's causing this. I apologize. Um, well, I was going to say that Nevada ended up having the liquor control guys do the transportation for the cannabis when they legalized, and they had to declare a state of emergency in order to change the law so that they weren't in control of that anymore because the liquor guys hired a total of eight new trucks to transport the entire cannabis industry, which obviously was never going to work you know but that was by design because they were trying to nix their competition so you know it was criminal in other ways uh, but california completely screwed up in a spectacular scale I, there there's they make the shit show in oregon almost look like an easy cakewalk because at least they had <laughs> rules to follow you know yeah i mean so 
similar issues, you know, like where you run into, you know, different counties and different cities inside of those counties having different regulations and people that opted in and you know, out. You hear all that shit that happened in California recently about that lab getting busted for uh, faking their test results. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that, that's really common. Like, I, that, happens, that happens in every legal state. I guarantee you that's going on in Colorado. I guarantee you that's going on in Oregon. I guarantee you it's going on in Washington. I guarantee. Well, no, no, it's just because they had to recall so much flour. Because oh, of it. oh what yeah. was the total weight? Uh, a, a lot. It was a lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the exact number, but I remember reacting. You know, similar to how fish was being like, "Wow, let me go!" Damn. Yeah. You know this is getting sold on the black market anyway, so they'll probably get twice as much money for it. Yeah, none of that was destroyed. Like, that's the other thing, too. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Can you imagine that being your job, though? The guy that just has to, like, burn the perfectly, <laughs> like, hundreds of pounds of pot, just like, oh, got to dispose of this. Right. I well, feel I bad for all the people who actually like passed the test, like totally okay. It was a good grower, good facility, but they just chose the wrong lab. Right. That's the other part. It's like it goes back to like the um, the stuff with Guardian when everyone was thinking they're using the organic spray, and well, yeah, it was just cinnamon. Except for some of this product is is you know is just fine. Like it's really just getting recalled because of the lab fuck up. You know, yep. like at least Guardian, you, you know, we, you know, they really needed to pull that stuff because people were smoking shit that they shouldn't have been. But, you yep. know, a lot of what they, what they recalled from the lab was, you know, just because of poor testing practices. So, like, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's a fucked situation. Like, obviously, they should recall it and the lab is fucked for doing it. But just like Steve was saying, like, they are definitely not the first lab to pad their numbers for, monetary reasons whatever hey, it's testing at 38 percent, bro yeah. record right <laughs> and, and you know like some like when you're paying attention like even just walking around the dispensary well, well not so much anymore because you don't have to do that anymore but back when we had like actual you know regulation with a purpose in the in the medical market you used to like before legalization you used to have to have your lab results posted with anything that you had on the floor you like it just had to be there so you could go and look at it and so you know you're looking over the numbers you start adding up you know their thc content or their you know, like their total thc and like <laughs> some of the lab results you're like oh that's a little more than 100 percent there you know like how did eh, i'm not i'm not an expert mathematician but i'm pretty sure all of those are supposed to add up to not 111 <laughs> percent well what if it gave it that extra effort <laughs> yeah right like just <laughs> much more <clears throat> so you know, like, it, it's happened on on so many so many different places where like when it's just poor lab practices i feel like that's different than uh you know somebody using pesticides or something that like uh, or or mold, you know, going to a patient. That's a, you know, really big issue for people that like cancer patients who whose immune systems are already, um, you know, compromised. Oh, that's so, not PM. That's powdery trichomes. Oh yeah. It's yeah. PP. <laughs> oh, I've had, 
I had a guy in Cali show me three pounds that were covered in PM and tell me that they were like the best, nicest stuff he's seen. And it was a hundred percent serious. And I was, it smelled like a boy's high school locker room. Spent a lot of time in those. This is the tops. This is the best stuff in San Diego, man. The stupid shit you see is ridiculous. Yeah. So <laughs> what they'll do is what they'll do nowadays is they'll take that shit, they'll give it a quick peroxide dip if they're an unscrupulous company, and then they'll spray it with terpenes, and then they'll sell it as like fucking lemon right. or, or citrus X Y Z. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jorge Cervant, George Cervantes. Um, he fucking said on one of his YouTube videos, "Oh, if you have PM, just do this hydrogen peroxide dip like this." Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "No, that's cool." Yeah, yeah. I don't get PM. I would, I would the not. Best is, the best is when the product salesman is like, "Okay, I know that you. This is you can use this product instead of." doing your hydrogen peroxide dunk. And I just look at him like, instead? Like, what? Like, Or or what about the um, the best one still? And I know that Josh ran into this guy at Emerald. The guy that's out there selling like a Milkway spray to cure your plants in whatever, like 24 hours. Oh, yeah. I think, did you do a video on that? No, I, I was talking to him, or did we just talk about it? I don't remember. We talked about it, yeah. I don't. I don't think I ran into that, uh, but we probably shouldn't talk shit about it. I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to smoke that. Like, it's a protein. I don't want to. Smoke I think it. maybe you sent me the link or something. Maybe I just looked it up because we talked. Was, about it. There's like no information about what it actually is. You're like, here, spray this shit on there, and well, the guy they were being a little the next day. Proprietary information, Marty. They were being more forthcoming at Emerald because everyone was grilling the hell out of them, and uh, they were like, yeah, it's it's a a, a, a way made from milk way. So it's lactobacillus. Yeah, it's lactobacillus. Right. But Which how about the plant some quickly? Some, I don't know. KNF guys actually talk about that, and I I think that they're potentially not the most cannabis experienced KNF guys. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it on plant. Like I would never spray trichomes with, with that. Like you're putting a protein onto your plant material that you're then going to combust, and. Proteins will denature into VOCs, and that's not good for you. Like just straight up, you know. So, I don't. Know. Something that I thought was strange, but it, there's all kinds of funky things you see in the cannabis industry. The best ones are the magnetic things, the magnetic, you know, harmony wave frequency things. Have you guys seen those in the in the grocery stores? Oh, is that like the one you're supposed to like put it in your water or something like that? It like. No, no, no. it's the one for like pest control where the, the sound frequencies and the harmonic vibrations make them stay away. Huh. It doesn't it doesn't work with the rats in my um, my woodshed. Is the um speaking of which, is the uh the the special water lady coming to the conference still? No. No. Okay. Uh, there's I was like looking forward there's, to there's, there's there's commercial shit of that available. Uh, yeah. I, I saw through that. It was a it's a pyramid scheme shit. Basically, it's it's a no no. no. I, 
I didn't think it actually. I was just curious to see what they were. You know, there's so many. I would these- love to see them try to prove it and completely fail. Like that's what I like. I hope they would show up just to do that. But I'm, I like I understand why they're not going to show up. But it would have been hilarious. Like you have to admit, like. Well, and that's it. You just there's a lot of things, and especially, and I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this kind of stuff because there's a lot of this kind of stuff out there, and people will go online and read you know or see a cool you know nifty video or whatever and and, and buy into some of the stuff or the water spinners that that sh- that spin the water to equalize your ph and it's like there's zero reason why spinning the water in a copper pipe or a metal pipe is going to change the ph of the water that's not how chemistry works uh well actually steve i mean it's kind of like along the lines of if you put the word peace on your water bottle it's going to change the water molecules uh, design. It's now smart water. It's, it's smarter than your your normal dumb water. <laughs> you you're still using the dumb water. That's the problem. Yeah, no, that's true. I you know I gotta start making sure I only buy alkaline water because <laughs> I just feel so acidic lately. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Here, drink this water. It'll cure your cancer. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> No, and but there's you know, and this is the reason why you got to be careful. You know, there was a I just heard a quote for someone. I'll 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 leave out company names. Just well, uh, anyways, I'll leave out company names to protect who told me this. But um, I you know, a medicine man is quoting people at, at five hundred thousand uh, dollars for a five thousand square foot build out with SOPs. Like the fuck. <laughs> Like this is crazy. Like there, there's there's all these companies out there just ripping people off left and right. And yeah, sure they have some established stuff, but 500k for a 5,000 square foot place that's already built. That's insane. I think my takeaway from what you just said, Steve, was I'm gonna leave out company names, but Medicine Man is doing this. <laughs> Glad you got the joke. <laughs> all right, cool. As long as we're not talking about them. But, you know, it's just some of this stuff is just crazy. Like the amount of pro- the amount of people are trying to like gouge these newer people coming into the market is just insane. And um, that's why we try to bring on really good people on the podcast that can drop knowledge like Spectrum King or Dr. Faust or Dr. Efron or Su- or, 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 or um, Dr. Lane Ingham or, you know, Jeff or uh, <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> Um, anyways, are some of these other guys uh, on the show to, to actually tell you, you know, here's the education, and now when you go talk to these other people, now you're informed enough to make the right decisions, and you aren't being run in circles, and you aren't being ripped off and stuff like that. So, and if you are, and uh, uh, actually, so so let's talk about um, to circle around on that. Let's talk about so people getting into to legalization. Um, there's a couple of states that look like they're going to legalize this year. Um, and then I have them open up. Okay, so you got Rhode Island. It's got a pretty good shot of legalizing this year. Um, Minnesota, New Hampshire both have a shot at legalizing this year. Um, sorry about the chirps. Turn my damn phone off. Um, New York and New Jersey. Uh, Illinois and Connecticut would be the other states that have a good chance of legalizing. So that's quite a few new ones. And when I sat down and I was actually looking at how many uh, states are legalized, you know, there 
<laughs> I didn't realize the it's basically the entire Northeast um, is is medical or, or rec now. And by the end of the year, it looks like most of the Northeastern United States, the entire West Coast, and a good portion of the Midwest will be legalized. So you know, if you look back and you think about you know how far we were even in in 2012 when I mean I can remember you know almost you know being emotional on, on the day they they passed this stuff on through Oregon and or no, I'm sorry Washington and Colorado that uh and now we have you know almost a quarter of the country by the end of the year is going to be uh, fully legalized and if you're racing it on population it's almost over half the country. So you know, what, sort of pool, who do you think is going to be the last state to pull their head out of their ass? Uh, for rec, Utah. Oklahoma. Texas. Oklahoma's going to legalize this year, and Texas is going to legalize this year in some form probably. Mm, interesting. So I could see Mississippi or Alabama being pretty far down the list too. Boise, Idaho, or Idaho will be the very last of the list. Idaho, that's a good choice. Yeah, Idaho would be another good option. You could be white. I mean, right? <laughs> All right yeah, so, you know, for legalized states, at least currently as of this podcast, which is beginning of January 3rd of, of 2019, you got Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Colorado, Michigan, um, uh, Massachusetts, uh, Vermont and Maine all legalized and Maine actually is going to get actual legalization now now that their dipshit governor is replaced what was his name uh, the whack job Le, Le Pair Le, whatever Le Perrier no that's a hockey player whatever Le Page that's his name Le Page anyways he blocked legalization and refused to allow the like permit issuances and stuff like that so the new democratic governor is going to come in and actually fix that which would be really great for all you guys. And just and, and that's another thing I want to bring up is that just because these places have medical or recreational doesn't mean anything's happened. I mean, look at Missouri um, or Illinois. Oh, Illinois has a decent amount. But, you know, look at Missouri or Nebraska. I'm sorry, not Nebraska. Um, uh, North Dakota or, um, you know, West Virginia. Some of these other places that haven't really followed through with their, their actual bills to, to fall, you know, they... Yes, they have medical pass, but there's no dispensaries getting to patients. It's just kind of in, in name only, and it's so restrictive that it's not helping, you know, 80% of the people that actually need it. Yes, it's helping those that are, you know, end of life, but there's a lot more people that need cannabis medicine than just those at end of life. Well, I want to say something, actually, because I've been in contact with Dummy, who's in Maine, and they haven't really had, it's been kind of weird because they had medical marijuana, which was running great, and he had no problem running that. And he actually openly is able to have a business with that. So even with the recreational, I'm not sure what you were saying about Maine, but they haven't had that. It hadn't been that stifled. They've actually been able to function uh, more than what you let on. I just wanted to say that because I've actually talked to a guy that's in Maine and he actually able to function. But it's like everything else. Uh, most of the states, they start out. And I think everybody here can attest to that. We found that it starts out one way and it's constantly changing and evolving and they really don't know what the hell to do with it when they do legalize it. They generally legalize it before, whether it be medical or recreational, before they actually have a concept of the logistics and how they're going to run it. You know, isn't that true? For which state? 
any state. Every one of them has been a clusterfuck, you know. Oh, yeah. And you know what? So I just helped a friend of mine, talking to a friend of mine, and helped him with his uh, permit in Tennessee to grow hemp. And it's, I think, three pages. <laughs> yeah. What's the agricultural community on the, in the southeast? Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. Hemp oh. is an agricultural commodity instead of a medical commodity, and that's why. Yeah, Oklahoma, which is like, what, 14 or 18 pages? That's another one that's, or, I don't know, it's a little bit more than that. You know, totally reasonable, low prices. You know, uh, although the downside is, I was just reading yesterday, there's 30,000 applications in the state of Oklahoma. So <laughs> there's quite a few cannabis-related businesses, and almost all, um, most of them are applying for for, for, for full vertical so they can do both cultivation and extraction um, with the same license, which is super freaking cool. Or, you know, the same set of licenses, whatever it is, um, which is kind of neat. And then you have um, what are some of the other states that are coming on, on uh, right now. Uh, Michigan, which is kind of a clusterfuck right now. Um, what else? Uh, you got Canada, which is about to go through their second round of um, laws regarding edibles and extractions here before too long. Um, yeah, if they don't open something up, everybody's going to lose their ass. There's a lot of people invested, thinking everything was going to happen, and what happened? There's no edibles, right? Or no, no, nothing you can intake. You can't manufacture anything you can intake. You can only use topicals. Or, and then or you that, got the other one. The other big crime was the, the Utah. You know, them passing that second. They had that emergency session after the bill passed and basically neutered the shit out of the law and usurped the will of the voters and changed the law after the voters voted on it. And it was all thanks to dun, 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 the death cult we've talked about before, the Mormon <laughs> Um Sorry, if you're screwing with other people's lives and you're not actually helping anyone, that's what you are. And you, you can be mad at me for saying that. But this is ridiculous. There, you have a, a religion. I don't care what your religion is. But when your religion gets in the way of people's medicine, that's wrong. I don't care <clears throat> You know, not being against them in particular, you know, but this is stupid. You know, there's no, they have no right to, to attack people's right to medicine, and that's my problem. And it, it's 100% sponsored by the church in that state, and it's criminal. It's completely criminal because there's people that are dying and suffering that don't need to be. In the book of Genesis, if you, for all you Christians out there, the book of Genesis clearly states that it was that all plants and, and fish of the sea and everything on the earth were for the use of man. That didn't mean man could make up a law that tells us we can't use a plant just because it subplants what pharmaceutical companies or pulp and paper companies or oil companies might want to do. Anyways, I know I'm a little bit strong feeling on that, but I get really angry when, when any group, I don't care if it's religious or a, or a social group or a club or, you know, an organization, whatever it is, gets in the way of people's right to live, that's wrong, you know, so, but especially when it's as organized as, as it is in, in Utah, and they had no right to do that because that's not what the voters passed. Um, and that's it again. We talk about this all the time legalization and name only, you know, where they go in and they just regulate out everyone that actually knows what they're doing into a handful of bankers that like, like Marty. So let's, let's talk about this. And Josh, what's some of the crazy questions you guys have, a have been asked by some of the like, you know, 
uh, suits of various types, you know, as far as, as production. I've had like, you mean you can't produce, you can't, we can't get flour in two months or, um, uh, you know, from the time I, I pay you to start yeah. this thing. My buddy told me it's eight weeks. How come it takes longer than eight weeks? My buddy told me it's eight weeks. I Googled it, you know, and it's supposed to be eight weeks, you know, and they've like never grown a plant in their lives. Or what do you mean cannabis is going to be 50 to a hundred dollars a pound? You you don't know what the hell you're doing. And that was from a, (laughs) if I told you who that was, your jaws would be on the floor. Um, or like uh, it's a very dangerous drug and you fellas need to watch what you're doing was it big mike <laughs> no no this is, this is someone from a big comedian company who is probably like kicking themselves in the face for for like laughing at me when i told them that a year ago so anyways uh like what are some of the other ones you guys have had um you know just that like i don't know i guess you actually have to pay employees i don't know this guy one one guy i was talking with you know was just like wanted to pay everyone like minimum wage and like essentially just like run everything with like minimum wage workers on like it was a big project too with some like eight greenhouses or something like that he had property that had multiple tax lots so he was going to max out uh light deck greenhouses on each tax lot and he wanted to run like this insane number of plants with like four people and it, <laughs> you know you're like like and, and like trim and everything you know you're like mm, you know and then pay them like next to nothing you know like it, yeah it's just like <clears throat> no and, and, and in that case, you know, like, he had a pretty good idea of, like, you know, he didn't have any misconceptions about how long it was going to take or anything. He had actually grown um, corn, uh, you know, corn fields uh, around here a lot on some of his other pieces of property. And so he was, um, you know, he had this other one with the multiple tax lots he wanted to set up for cannabis. And uh, so when I, like... I presented a, you know, did a presentation on, you know, how I would, you know, essentially set it up and how many people would take to run it. And he was like, pissed, <laughs> like on how much he's like, you think we're going to spend this much money and labor and make any money and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I was like, okay. So yeah, he wanted like, he wanted to run it with like a quarter of the number of people that I would have ran it with, like just by based on the number of plants you would have to run, you know, like, can you imagine being completely responsible for everything from seed to harvest in two, I think there were 4,000 square foot greenhouses. Like you yourself were responsible for two of the entire thing. Only if you expect me to quit pretty quick. And and for minimum wage. What are they supposed to trim? That's my question. Oh, that the four <laughs> people were supposed to do it. That's what I'm telling you. Like, this was the guy's plan. Like, because he, because this is how he did corn. And you're gonna wet trim too. Yeah, I was like, well, you don't sell corn for the same price per pound that you sell either. You know, so it's like, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I gave up on the whole thing, honestly. Uh, and I, I never really talked to him again after that. And I don't even know if he did anything, but that was like, 
like the fact that you would actually want to pay people was appalling to this guy and it was just like wow okay then good luck buddy have fun never from him again but that, that was pretty outrageous you got any josh or fish you got a little bit of experience i know you tried to get thing off in sacramento yeah fuck that place <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was a while ago, but yeah, my, uh, relative and I, we probably lost like 30,000, like invested in trying to get something going when we discovered the city was trying to push to have it. So just to renew your conditional use permit in the city of Sacramento, they wanted to charge 50,000 a year just to renew. And I said, well, this is a bust cause that's criminal. Yeah. <laughs> So we're just going to write this off as a massive loss. Damn. So, yeah, that's uh, that and, was uh, the dreams getting crushed. And, and that's what's it's so crazy because it varies so much from state to state. You know, like I know um, Josh and, and Marty both had to drive pretty hard to actually get their licenses and pay for their stuff. I know, um, I know you went through your stuff. I know I've gone through two or three license attempts in California and in the my hands up and stand the hell with it because i just i'm tired of wasting money and time in california you know it's just crazy trying to you can't do anything legal there it's it's impossible you, it doesn't matter what you're doing you got this local control bullshit where everything could be fine then you can have a whole busload of idiots come in and vote again you know rail against you in front of the city council and get your proposal voted down and there's you know, no other businesses to deal with this. So this is the kind of stuff, you know, if you aren't dealing with this and you're in your state, then you're blessed and you should be happy. And, and you know, I'm happy for you. And I'm glad that other states are not having to go through with that. Um, and, and if, and, but there are states that are really suffering right now. Then you have places like Washington and Oregon where the bottom's just fallen out of the market. Like what are pounds going for on the, on the white and black markets there, uh, um, Josh and Marty? And and fish. And, and it goes all it goes all over the place. I mean, people get as low as you know fifty bucks a pound, maybe even lower to thirty bucks a pound, uh, all the way to you know. There's farms that, that still get to two or three thousand dollars a pound, but you have to to get that, you know. You you have to take a lot into consideration. They're, they're not just pounds like we used to sell. You know, they they are the very best nugs in one gram packages for eighteen dollars. You know, um, and so there's just not that many people not that many people buying that sort of shit. You know, it's just a very um, interesting product. I don't know. I I'm I'm like kind of like. We're, well, it's been such a long, horrible ride. Like I've been at this for four years, and uh, I'm I'm getting a little bit pat. Trying to get, I guess I should say, I'm trying to get past the point of like being bitching about it and like trying to figure out what what is actually going to work. If I mean, it's just that's where it is for me. And so I, I've been talking. I've been setting up as a nursery. I'm trying to do a different thing uh, to like find a niche market you know and that that's like the advice i would give to anybody in these new states is that like 
I don't, I honestly don't think that very many people are going to be growing weed in, in five years. Very many. That's a weird, that's poor English. Um, I don't think a lot of people will. I think it's going to be similar to um, high quality heir, heirloom vegetables. Um, and, you know, breweries, we're not going to even be there for a few years because what I've seen in our state is, is that like, they're not even open to craft, the true craft, small, high quality heirloom cannabis. They, they just aren't open to it yet because it takes a lot of work to work with those farmers. And when I used to grow vegetables, like that was the same thing. There was, there's so many chefs that don't want to work with a guy that just grows tomatoes, you know, because then they have to, they have to have a, a, just a tomato guy and just a lettuce guy. When U.S. Foods delivers it all, they'll also deliver your cheese and your bread. You know, they'll deliver the flour, the, everything, you know, you could make one order and it comes on this day and it's very simple, you know, when you're running a restaurant or, you know, whatever, it's a lot of work. So, um, I think it's going to be a long time to work till the, the market moves all the way around back to that. That's me personally. And a lot of people disagree with that. But if I was in a new state, I would be setting up something ancillary or I'd be like doing a, a real farm where you plan to grow vegetables and like animals and, and cannabis is a part of it. And you plan to like, you know, not make that be your cash crop, that, that the whole thing works together. And then if cannabis fails, then you could still survive, you know, and then that way you can hold it. You can be you can hold integrity and that's kind of where I'm going with my thing is I, I I'm holding out like I grow a good good quality product and like I'm not going to sell it for cheap and so if I got to do something else to make money then I'm going to do that until, until people are in the place to purchase my cannabis for a livable wage you know and I think the more farmers need to take that stand but it's so hard when you get so invested and like you're really stuck it's like you know what are you going to do uh, well, I can look at it. I can say from in a South Carolina standpoint, you know that that we're looking at hemp, hemp being legalized, right? But we know there's some backdoor shit that they're, the the government's pulling on us. But see, I've already had a plan. It's kind of like what you're talking about. Everybody thinks they're going to do hemp and have all the CBD and edibles and stuff. And I'm looking at more like old school, where I want to make textiles. You know, I'd rather set up one thing. I know we can do if we can get a whole bunch of farmers growing hemp. We can have a we could start a new textile business and replace cotton and and other things you know and get rid of some of the synthetics that we're using that take petroleum because let's face it I believe I, I I'm not positive but I'd pretty much bet that rayon and nylon and all that is you know probably requires uh, uh, fossil fuels to make uh, as opposed to where hemp which is six times as strong as cotton you know. And we already know that hemp seeds can can provide fuel and lubricating oils and all kind of stuff. So, you know, I think it's smart for everybody like you would be like when the lights go off, we're all going to be worried about how to get by, which is where, you know, Josh's regenerative cannabis or regenerative food or the place where you're all the nutrients you're feeding your plants are grown by yourself and you're providing the nutrients from a regenerative aspect i think that's where it's smart to go and everybody needs to look forward to that well okay raj i don't think um we want to revisit the whole concept of lubricating oils from uh cannabis if you remember what tommy was talking about back when about how it was the greatest sexual lubricant he's ever found 
Yeah, but I was talking about hemp too, not cannabis. But. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say an uncomfortable <laughs> subject. Fish, has, fish pulled a Tommy on me. Yeah. Well, Tommy was a rare bird, you know, so. <laughs> he well, was something. I, honestly, where we are with extraction uh, processes and with farming and the way that CBD laws are getting passed. Yeah. Um, th those are beautiful flowers, whoever those are. Is that Maurice? Probably. Which one? Uh, yeah, I got slash yeah. them. Yeah, those are good looking. Show off. Um, I think I think that a hundred percent that I think I, I think I'm right on this, but uh, I think that uh, that as the hemp laws slash CBD laws get passed, they're just going to uh, change the thresholds. So right now we're at whatever THC threshold of 0.03 percent. It's not going to be very long, like months to a year to year, you know, two years tops. So those thresholds are changed, and people are growing just like corn. You know they're gonna grow with the same exact machines. They're gonna they're gonna no-till plant that shit in with uh, hemp seeds that are pre-coated in fertilizer, just like they do with corn. And then they're gonna extract the CBD. They're gonna extract the CBG. They're gonna extract the THC. The, boom, and they'll push it all out to whatever, and they'll make all these products. They'll make the vape pens. They'll make the best tasting vape pens. They'll make the best cookies. The be best everything. And then really we'll be down to people that like are actually going, you know, the, the people that will be buying, you know, weed that's, that is smokable, that is actually really high quality craft cannabis will be the same sort of people that, that get up on a Saturday morning and go to a farmer's market or that buy from a CSA or that go to a restaurant that buys farmer, uh, farmer sourced foods, you know, where the, you know, where the meat and the vegetables like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it, too. And I, I, I feel really doom and gloom about the whole thing. Like, I, you know, I, I think everybody wants to get their peace and has their dreams. But, like, look at tomatoes. Look at everything else. Um, and cannabis is a really easy field crop. It really is. And, and with our extraction technology. Uh, anyway, I'm talking mass, mass, mass consumption. I'm not talking you, me, and all of us that are consumers and, and you know, really into it. We're going to be the people that are like microbrewers that grow our, that brew our own beer and, and travel around from microbrewery to microbrewery to taste the fucking beer, you know, and get down on the hops and like all that stuff, you know, and that, that's cool. And that, that's, that's, that's its thing, but it's not the, the mass consumption will be, will be the world consuming cannabis you know, in their cereal, in their lunch, in their, you know, in their lotions, in their toothpastes, like, that's where it's going, right? And their dog and cat treats, too. <laughs> I just oh, say something, uh, yesterday, yesterday, Todd Rutherford, Senator, Democratic Senator in South Carolina, reintroduced the bill for medical marijuana in South Carolina, and that was impressive enough, but what really impressed me was he brought up the fact of something that we have talked about a lot in the last year that they realize now to do the proper, to actually do the proper thing for medical, for, for CBD, that you needed that THC to kick it in the ass for certain afflictions. And the fact that he mentioned that right in the press conference over the news, I got to see it. I was blown away because I've never seen a politician get up there and say that, we want to do this because, you know, we need THC to add to the CBD to make the medicine better for certain afflictions and all. So I just I had to throw that in when you're since you were talking about that. 
Yeah, we're allowed up to 5% THC in our oils whenever they... Uh, you can even get it at Walmart. As long as you have a prescription for it, it has 5% THC. That's crazy. Cannot be any more than that. I didn't realize it was all the way up to 5 That's but That's actually good, isn't it, Steve? That's what I was thinking. That's a real good thing because... Wow. You didn't need a lot of THC, but you needed THC to make it more microbiologically available to your body, right? Well, yes, but there's other ways to do that, too. Yeah, but it's, it's been like a year and a half that it's been legal that way in my location. Wow. What state are you in again? Georgia. So is Georgia about to have a rush like North Carolina did then? Of course. We're right in Ag Central. I can go five miles each way and run into at least three buildings. So so what do you guys think is going to happen with CBD this year, with the whole FDA statement at the end of the year that was kind of apocalyptic? Well, I'm hoping that it's actual CBD and not that shit that they're selling in a lot of these stores that they <laughs> claim that's 100% CBD and actually don't have hardly dick in it. Yeah, and that's something that's important. You know, I, I actually got kicked off of a CBD forum the other day for bringing up the fact that um, Charlotte's Web is not only one of the worst products on the market if you look at um, CBD or milligram to two dollars spent, but um, it's also a stolen strain. <laughs> like they didn't even invent that strain; they stole it from somebody else. And the original breeder was just on Dude Grows uh, show, so you know they're not even a legitimate company in terms of you know, being able to be proud about what they do. Like, sure, they came up with a thing that helped their daughter and more power to them for that, but they stole that stream. They've profited off of it and they're ripping people off because of the name and they actively hire lobbyists to try and only legalize their strains in, in places they suck. where strains are vastly inferior to most of the other CBD strains on the market now. And it's one of the worst strains ever. Yeah, I mean, if you, Canatonic is the highest one to date, at least the last time I checked, was Canatonic was the CBD uh, early last year, at least was the last time I looked it up. My, my understanding is it was that, that Harlequin was the mother of all these. Well, so Harlequin is the mother of most of them, but my understanding was that there was two separate CBD heavy lineages. Is that wrong? Um, I mean, I, I know that, that they're, I don't know. You know I know the I, first I, one came from uh, Wade. Harlequin, Wade, Wade and then that, 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 that Canatonic came off that. And from Canat My understanding, from Canatonic came ACDC and Charlotte's yeah. Web. Um, well, no, no. Charlotte's Web was Woot, Woof, uh, W4. They call it Woof4 with, um, uh, shit, what were the other ones? It was Woof4 and something else. But I have the, the Shirley Temple I gave you. That both you and Green Jeans have has the license. I'm pretty sure I gave some to you. If not, I'll bring. Well, I'll find a way to get some to you. Uh, um, I know Green Jeans has some, as I gave him some when I was down visiting him. Um, I have some. I have some crosses he made. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that actually has two of the parent strains of Charlotte's Web from the same source breeder in Colorado. That's the same lineage. Um, what's the, uh, there's another one right now that's that uh, what's it starts with a C. Um, shit. <laughs> Cannabis. Oh, <laughs> it starts with C. Yeah. 
think it's like uh, pink champagne is what you're thinking of, maybe? Oh, maybe. Yeah. No. Pink champagne. There's like a cherry wine also? Yeah, no? cherry wine, yeah, or something like oh. that. But cherry wine is a harlequin crossed with like a more hemp, uh, hemp strain. But it's, it's yeah. Nice. I don't know. I, I haven't looked that up, so if I'm wrong. Yeah, I have no, just to be clear, I have no fucking idea. That's just a... <laughs> Pretty sure I've read that somewhere. That's as much credit as I'm taking for that. I know I have I have some Harley Quinn strains. I just haven't tried them. <laughs> Don't yell at me in the comment section. One of the best CBD strains I've grown so far was a, a, a Harlequin crossed with sour tsunami, and that was like a 12 or 13 percent THC and like a 22 percent CBD. It was a really really hot, super high. Um, uh, maybe not 22%, maybe even a little bit more than that, but it was really, really, really high. That was one of the best ones we had as far as CBD ratio of all the ones we grew doing the aquaponic testing. I'm a little bit fuzzy. I smoked a lot of weed today. I was hanging out with some buddies that were driving through and had a bunch of really good hash. So if I'm a little bit uh, fuzzy-brained, I apologize. I Lost your mind. Lost your damn mind again. Yep, yep. I smoked a lot of weed just all by myself. Well, me too, because I got nobody else to smoke it with. So yeah, I smoke a lot of weed by myself. And that's been you know, all day at work, and then he came home. So to loop things back around to the the, the theme of the show, like, like <laughs> something else to, to think about too when you're looking about opening up a newer business is what strains you're going to grow. And you want to make sure you have some good bread and butter strains, like um, you know, uh, uh, Bruce Banner or uh, Blue Dream or. Uh, what are some of the other ones that you guys like? <coughs> as far as bread and butter, like, and by bread and butter, I mean heavy, you know, relatively equal, heavier yielding, relatively resistant, and not super complicated to grow. You know, there, there aren't a ton of, you know, ludicrous. White Widow? White, White yeah, I would widow say, like, one? yeah, Widows are good. I would say, um, uh, like, Agent Orange. AK-47. Uh, AK-47, sure. Um, you know, like, um, Jack yeah, Jack yeah, Rare's got a pretty high, doesn't it? Mr. Green Jesus has a pretty high CBD content, a lower, CBD, but more of a no, I have no, no idea, I wouldn't know, I but so. I mean, it's, it's easy to grow, it's you know, it's a big yeah. sativa that yields a lot, it's easy to grow, you yeah. know, finishes pretty quick for a sativa. Easy to grow. Can I imagine? I love the flower sites. You know, so usually you can you can yield pretty well off of it. A lot yeah. of people like super silver haze that I know of, and of course Agent Orange was mentioned, and we all know about Blue Dream and AK forty seven. They've been a uh, uh, you know the, the big producer for cash crops for a long time. Super um, skunks another. I like, I like, and again, I tell you what, I, I'm still a you know I know it's an older. I love strawberry Kush. I'm telling you, and orange bud, just straight orange bud, is pretty cool and gives you a nice cerebral feeling. Um, that I could, I'm sure that would be great medicinally. Uh, nice, tight, smaller nuggets is what I got out of it, you know, really tight nuggets. And, um, I don't know. Uh, and again, our, our company's got a strain called Gold Leaf, which is supposed to be in the 2525 club, so that would be, you know, and and everybody, I think. I think Hogmaster's on here. I think I saw him on here tonight. And 
and he's grown it. But the reason I ever got it was because I'm more into the old stuff. Like I, I, I finally got some Jack Herrera and uh, you know some old stuff like that. But I was watching people on the forum growing the gold leaf, and every time I saw it, I'd I'd look at the picture and say, "Wow, that's some awesome looking plant." And it was gold leaf. So I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that measures up to some of you guys' favorite strains as we move forward. No, I like sour strawberry too. Is another one which I think is a you know is a I'm pretty sure is still in the, the is a strawberry Kush cross. I remember probably right. so. Yeah, probably so. But a uh, sour strawberry, I've I've enjoyed growing that. It's relatively easy to grow and you know isn't isn't super picky about much. You know, I guess on that same token, you know, like maybe some to avoid that are like you know a little more picky or like some of the OGs. Can be, you know, kind of like lemon OG. You know, can be really lanky, and not that it's, or even some of the cookie strains and cuts can be really finicky. And if you're a newer grower, will have a tendency to herm, like especially since there's so many feminized seeds that were made. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like especially from like the forum cut and stuff like that. That um, you know they <clears throat> they can be difficult to run, and maybe just. Feminized seeds in general. <laughs> if um, you're you're new to growing, I mean, we're having this conversation, you know, about like strains for people to look into, but there's nothing that can really replace like having already grown it and in the situation you plan on growing it. You know, like you should have a some sort of scaled model where you've already ran some some test stuff. Uh, hopefully, you know. <laughs> If you're if you're coming into it having never grown plants, you should probably be concerned about other things other than what strain you're picking. Good point, Martin. Yeah, you got to learn how to grow first. Yeah. Yeah. What well, do you got? I, 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 I can't I, mean, I, I was gonna say like I, I we I, we're really encouraging people to pop their own beans and to like get yeah. off the clone game, you know. And I think that's like Back up sort of part, part of the part of the learning curve, you know. Uh, like. You can you and the plant can grow together if you're popping your own seeds and making your own seeds. Like, get, start with something really good that's like good genetics, and you know, be a little bit smart if you can. You know, like if you're gonna grow tomatoes, you know, you walk down to the whatever you know nursery, you ask them, you know, what grows good here. They're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna sell you something in in Vermont that grows good in Florida. They're gonna sell you, you know, Vermont specific varietals. Um, so like kind of, we were kind of not in that mindset in cannabis because we've been indoors for the most part. And so like, we're, we're really encouraging people just to like get seeds and get them from, you know, that are, that are similar to your region and, and pop them and start working through them, you know, and, and you, and you can really take your soils to like, and where I'm at, I can take soil samples into the agriculture place and they'll test your soils for two or three bucks and tell you exactly what's in your soil and what you need in your soils. Yeah, here here at six bucks, you can set you take you, they tell you to go like three or four places in your garden, take samples up to a certain measurement, and you send it off and they it's a, it's like six bucks per sample. And they will yeah, exactly. If you're gonna grow in soil in the garden outdoors, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. You know, I love the use of varietals too, Josh, because most people, when they're talking about cannabis, don't ever use the word varietals. And, you know, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just that's that's just what the, what I've been getting down on in the last uh, couple of years and learning from these cats that have, that have you know spent a little bit of time. And man, actually at the Emerald Cup, I smoked some of the most interesting weed from uh, I I think it was it Moon Gazer. Am I gonna get it wrong? Or Flower Days? I think it was Flower Days. Um, they just put out a regenerative cannabis book. And they had this uh, rose lemonade, and uh, it was really cool. In the in the dim pure tent, everyone was just handing around these like three four gram, you know, big fuckers, you know, doobies, and so you could really taste the flower. Um, it was nice, and and then this one came by, and right before it got to me, someone I said, "What is this?" You know, and I didn't know who whose it was, and and this girl was like, "Oh, it's a rose lemonade," and I thought, "Oh, that's a weird name for weed." <laughs> and I t- and I took the hit and I was like, holy shit, that tastes exactly like lemonade with rose petals in it. And I just looked at her and she's like, right. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And it, and and I, they were like, and then they started talking about it. They gave <laughs> these seeds from these these folks who had been cultivating in the hills for a long time and had kept their line really just pure and and inbred. And um, so they started popping them and they started pulling all these really crazy flavors and they were very unique and. And they, they grew well in their area outdoors. You know, they're, these these are full term outdoor growers. You know, growing fire. That people forget like how how much you can actually do with just a, a you know a breeding program as opposed to you know like we get all these different varieties of tomatoes and all these other things and we have all of the you know really the same tools to apply to that stuff. But for for some reason. <laughs> Like, it seems like people, like, just get stuck on, like, particular lines or something. But, like, when we were talking to Dragonfly and, and um, you and Dutch were, you know, you guys, Josh, were, uh, were talking about having seeds being bred in the same area over generations and allowing the yeah. seeds to evolve to the environment. Um, you know, it was really kind of, like, uh, you know, so much farther down the road than what somebody just starting out can do. You know what I mean? Like when, when we're talking about someone just trying to enter the business, like it, how, how would you even like, like, would you just approach, try to approach people that had already been breeding in that area or what would you, what would you recommend? Like, or just trying to get seeds from, you know, good seeds to start with or. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I would recommend is, and, I mean, not, and I'm not trying to toot the to what we're doing with the conference, but that's one of the, the aspect is in each area, we're bringing in breeders from that area, you know, so the, the whole goal of this conference for us is to bring tools and education. Um, we, you know, I've said it before, we don't do any vendors and sponsors. So, you know, I'm trying not to get side sidetracked on your question, but yeah, I think find breeders in your area that have been doing the work that you've been doing or similar, you know, and then, you know, like everyone's got different tastes, tastes and flavors that they like, right? So you, you gotta, there's a lot of work to do to, to kind of sift through and find folks out there, you know, that, have been, that, are, that are in your region and maybe have your same style. But when you find it, it's like, holy shit, you know, it's such a, such a step above uh, getting these clones and stuff, you know, like 
you were you were talking about Marty saying that some of these these cookies and these OG cuts they're really finicky and hard to grow and like they don't yield very much and people will just keep growing them because there's this hype around it right it's like but in reality you we can all have amazing weed you know but didn't within, have to within, do it within a couple of generations I I, I just like want to demystify the whole like in quotes breeding thing like it really is like just seed saving you know like let's take it down to that like seed saving you know there's breeding is like a real intense thing where you're getting real specific but seed saving is really what we're talking about you know and making your own seed you know and being a little bit intentional about it to start with you know so if you live like like right right now i live on the coast and so i don't know a lot of folks that that are breeding cannabis uh up in washington on the coast but kaya's doing it uh just just a little bit south south of here so i'm excited to get his gear but i also like sought out folks in california that were like right on the coast in santa cruz um you know that were just in the thick of the humid area you know trying to get as similar to my air my you know my situation as possible and then working with that. And then, you know, I grow those seeds out and I select from there. And then I cross them with something else that did well and then go from there and select from there. And, you know. Well, basically, it all goes back to the fact that the plant is so adaptive and, 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 you know, it will adapt to its environment no matter what you put it through, pretty much. You almost have to try to kill it. And again, well, I we that between I mean, vegetables I, I guess, and cannabis. So I was I trying to. Every one of us has experienced taking a clone in, and after you know growing it for two or three cycles, right. that uh, it, it, it it grows better. And you know the question might be: Is is it that you you learn that plant? You know you learned how to grow that plant. Maybe part of it no. for sure. But or but it's also adapted to you. Adapted to you. There's a little bit of both, and like. We don't give enough, you know, we don't give enough credit to the intelligence of these plants, for sure. That, that you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're real creatures. And I was thinking, too, something that when you're growing different plants, and especially when we're talking about you're doing companion plants, like where you want to grow your own plants in the same environment and then use them for nutrients and all, you also have crossbreeding that I think even would cross possibly now this is something that i would have to yield to steve probably or maybe you might be able to answer because josh you you're a lot smarter than you let on you know you know a lot more than you ever let on you're a very humble kind of guy but the thing is is if you're growing vegetables and and cannabis together i personally feel that you know cross pollination can have an effect on it too and the fact that it's in your region and the plant's so adaptive and any plant's adaptive even if you're growing tomatoes or like you said heirlooms as you and this is possibly a learning curve too with picking your heirlooms because again some of them don't yield shit you have to cross them with something or put them on a rootstock in order to make a heirloom tomato that you love produce more than like six tomatoes on a in a season that's a whole thing that's a whole like light bulb right there we should we could have like you know that's something that people have no idea about people crop put, put tomatoes on top of eggplants to grow them in swampy areas you guys like that's where you know they actually even sell them from out of catalogs territorial seeds in 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 oregon you can buy out of their catalog uh what's what are the what is it called uh roger when they when they splice them together um, grafting grafting grafted tomatoes you can buy grafted cucumbers um grafted peppers 
and it's it's something that we haven't even touched in cannabis you know i've seen people like grafting different strains onto one plant for the for the purpose of preserving strains but not for the purpose of putting like a, a hardy rootstock down you know that, that that works in your area and then putting different varietals on it like that's a whole we yeah, do have a friend that's been on the show. We have a friend, uh, Do Donald J, from a moderator on, on our website. Um, actually, remember, Steve? He started a plant where he was grafting clones into uh, Mr. Greenjits. I think uh, we all remember. You know, I don't know if you were on the show back then, but, but Donald J was talking about grafting. He was kind of trying to have a plant. Where he 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 was at putting clones, grafting clones into a a stock. You know, he grew a specific stock. I think what what is that? Where there's like four, like he did it like grapes. That's the best I can bring up. He kind of wanted to do it like grapes, and as the stock went out, he was putting. Like, uh, he did like a fruit cocktail tree with weed. But anyway, yeah. So we have somebody, and he did was successful with the first one. But you know what? We never talk about that. And I actually tried to get him on the show tonight. It's funny. It's funny. I hope you're listening out there. <laughs> uh, it was yeah, funny. He, tonight would have been a perfect time for him to talk about if that succeeded or not. Because that's, I think it definitely would succeed because it just seems to work. Um, and and I, I would I would not I would not want to think that our our beloved cannabis plant would not be able to hold up against other plants in the universe, you know, and do the same thing as a tomato or anything else, you know, so. But it's, it's really interesting. I mean, what you're talking about is exactly, Steve called it uh, the fruit cocktail. Like they do that with different fruit trees too, where they'll put pepper trees. You can buy yeah, a pepper tree with 12 different. What, what I'm talking about is growing from seed so that, you know, look this up. There's some guys on, uh, what's the other seed company? Um, they sell a ton of microgreens. They used to buy their seed. They're in Oregon. Johnny's seed. Oh, Oregon. Johnny's exactly. Johnny's. Johnny's is in 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 Maine or New Hampshire. Okay. They're definitely well, definitely northeast. John, if you go to if you go to on Johnny's YouTube videos and you you search grafting tomato grafting tomato plants. Yeah. This, this these videos have been up for a long time. There. Right. Know, what, what you do is these guys will grow and they'll do with eggplants or different varieties of tomatoes. They grow both sets, the rootstock and the, the top, you know, the fruit fruit plant at the same time. They'll plant the seeds at the same time and they'll grow them out to, you know, third, third or fourth set of leaves. And then from there, they'll totally lop off, you know, the rootstock where it's got nothing and they'll take the top off the, you know, the top plant that they want to fruit and they'll graft it right on at this very small, tiny, you know, toothpick stem size. Yeah, you just and take a little, you cut it at a 45, you make a little T on the root stock, you stick it in there, put a little clip on it and hold it down and yeah. put it, and then set it in the dark for a couple of weeks and it roots. Right, but, then, but this guy shows, it's a really cool video where he shows example, you know, he's running, you know, what a greenhouse full of them, you know, so he's running a couple thousand plants, you know, where yeah. you got oh, a yeah. thousand yeah. and it's, it's cool. It's really cool shit. There's some awesome guys on YouTube too, because that's where I first learned how to do it. And this guy was just a simple farm. In fact, you would have loved him because all he had was straw all over the damn place. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I, well, I, can't I, make I learned to do this when, when I was doing aquaponics in Minnesota. That's when I was doing with my aquaponic tomatoes. Um, so I ran a quarter of my greenhouse at one point that way, but I didn't. I didn't get too too far deep into it. Yeah. Like I, I want. I was. You know. Tomatoes are only so cool. You know, I, I love cannabis. 
Well, it's not it's not cheap to do it that way either. You actually have to spend some money, but right. the results of taking an heirloom that's special, because you get you can get higher dollar margins for that. So to take if you're to, if you like to grow tomato, like I like to grow peppers, so I like to have several peppers. And you know, for years people were worried about cross pollination or blah blah blah. Well, I only feel like that's a problem if you want to harvest the seeds. If you're just growing them. You know, but if you want to, that's how I think you can adapt peppers. That's how, I mean, let's face it. They didn't come up with the uh, Carolina Reaper uh, without using another pepper plant, you know, but to make it. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, good conversation, you know. That's, I that's love a whole other thing, too, the peppers, man. I like, holy shit. I just went online. I, I like I was do. I told you before I, I used to do some ghost peppers and some reapers, but. It's a different game there, man. Uh, I just went like online. Yeah, they, they have crosses on crosses on crosses. And right. White, yep. white it's weepers. Like, it's, it's, weepers. And some of these pepper guys got better grow rooms than some of my weed friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Sure. But the thing is, I tell you what, no matter how hot you seem to make it, it doesn't taste as good as a habanero. I don't care. Across the board. You can, there's sweet peppers. Yeah, there's a bunch of different habaneros. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there I, are, I, but I, what I'm getting at is they keep trying like to make them hotter and hotter, and making them hotter doesn't make them taste better. It just makes them hotter. Well, and again, it's a, just a sensation. It's not really hotter. It's a sensation, but don't eat that freaking membrane. That's all I'm going to tell you. If you could only have one, if you can only grow pot or you can grow habaneros which one are you growing well i i well again it depends on if i'm screwed in washington or if i'm in where i'm at you know i mean uh it depends because uh habanero has the highest margin is one of the most expensive peppers that you could sell as a farmer how much but, is it per pound well i get 328 a pound three dollars and 28 cents right I got $25 a pound fresh uh, for my Buchalopias. Yeah, but you're in for two years. where it's cold as nope, shit. No, it, it was in Minnesota. Where it's oh, really Minnesota. Cold oh, that's, why, that's even yeah. worse. Yeah, that's even worse. I mean, yeah, you would. If I lived up in Minnesota and had Habernos, I don't even ima can't imagine. But I can't imagine anybody buying them, and that's the problem. I fell in love with peppers, and I found out that the most expensive pepper and the highest margin you could get I grew poblanos. I've, I've grown all kinds. Uh, you know, I've, I've grown them all—the paprikas and the and the sweet, uh, different ro uh, Roman sweets and and all kinds of different peppers. But the the thing was, was the one that had the biggest margin was the habanero. Unfortunately, I live in an area where it's funny. All the redneck, everybody I know personally will eat the hell out of peppers, but if you try to sell them in a the store, nobody eats peppers. So. It, it got to be a, a beating my head against the wall. I'd be better off growing, uh, well, microgreens, I think. You know, it's actually, uh, get, Josh is an expert at that, I know. And uh, or, or starts. Yeah, I, I mean, I but that's, that's what starts. Well, see, that, you know what? If you had some nice peppers along with your microgreens to take to that chef like your business was, so, and I'm sure you did, but you know, you don't need tomatoes so much because you can go to the market and get tomatoes and cucumbers. But if you have ethnic peppers, different ethnic peppers that he can't get at the market and you have the microgreens, like you said, 
the best the best idea I ever heard was Josh's idea, and I'm sure that's par for the course with people that do it. But Josh's idea was he delivered them a live tray of microgreens. They weren't harvested; they were growing when he took them to the chef. So the right. chef harvest them at his will. And if you had, you could do the same thing with pepper plants or, you know, tomatoes would be a little bit too much because they're a, a pepper plant can grow 40 yards long if it's indeterminate. Uh, so, mm. you know, pepper plants, so you can have, you can have a bush. And if you limit the size of the pot, it'll only grow so much, so big. And let's face it. If you have a kitchen and you want them to grow, all you need is a few peppers to grow so you can harvest them for dinner tonight. And you don't want to use that pepper tomorrow or for another week or two because you want to be fresh and original in your restaurant. So the other, pe the, the like whatever pepper plant it is, if you sold a guy four or five pe pepper plants and possibly even went there and, you know, like offered a back end service uh, to help him keep them thriving, you know, and possibly even replant them in, in a situation where it was required, you know, there, there's value added money right there, you know, where, you know, and again, Josh can address this better than me because he was he was successful at doing this. I just broke even. So, well, one one thing that was really interesting. I mean, the, the super hot world is big, and like, if you guys don't know, get it. Like, just spend like, just start googling. But uh, they make concentrates just like we do with cannabis, and so mm -hmm. um, I was, I was, I, yeah. Well, they're they're all sorts of sauces and concentrates. So I, the guys I was selling it to, they had a, a Jamaican restaurant, and they were really authentic. I mean, they'd bring in the pimiento or whatever wood um, from Jamaica to to you know roast their roast their meat, and then they they do these wings, and they had wing contests and stuff. And so they'd buy these different concentrates, and they showed me all the all the different concentrates they get of of buchalokias mostly at the time um and then they'd buy my my peppers to bring in the flavor because they'd be fresh and they'd have that fruit flavor that that roger likes that coming out of the habanero um oh it's just such a rich it's like you don't even need to add any other spices if you throw some habanero in a in yeah sauce no, i know exactly sweet, what you're saying and you're done just throw the rest of the stuff in there and you're done it it couldn't taste any better than that but yeah you're right um you're right about that uh, in fact I was recently uh, turned on to somebody that was talking about which first time I'd seen this in a while where on a cannabis forum and they were talking about making a foot bomb where they were incorporating oils from peppers like to to make it like similar to like a Bengay or a, a heat, you know, one of those heat rubs. So yeah. it wasn't just a cream like, you know, like Tommy and you know was doing, you know, and stuff like that. It was also it had some heat to it, you know, and again, it's, it's just a sensation. You're not, people out there think, oh, well, it burns my mouth. Well, not really. It's really not getting burnt. It's a sensation that you're not used to, you know. Uh, and it won't, it's a, and it's a truly a high of its own, it's a high of its own caliber. So like at, yeah, at, this, yeah. at this particular restaurant, and I always tell, I tell this story to friends when I'm goofing around. Uh, I I go and I'd sell you know I don't know what it was but about a thousand dollars worth every week of of ghost peppers to these guys on Friday. I think I'd go on Thursday um, and then uh, I'd sit down at the bar and I'd order some wings and they'd ha they'd have wings all set up in these different categories you know they'd have Scotch bonnets they'd have habaneros you know they'd have it in the escalating heat scale and then you'd get to the 
to the top where you had the Buccellochia fresh, and then you get to the triple X, right? It was like the concentrates with the fresh, and uh, and I would that you and I'd buy like three of those, like the smallest amount you could, right? And I'd eat one or one or two of them, and it was like a, a total trip of an experience. I don't. It, this is kind of a funny thing to be talking about on this podcast, but. Uh, I would get you'd I'd go into like and I, I'd bring friends along to do this with me and I'd go into a total like almost hallucinating state where I'm just about to shit and vomit at the same time while while I'm at a bar right you know so you're sitting at a bar eating these wings and your body just like purges and uh well, that's it that's why you it's, were it's like a 15, a 15 minute 15 minute deal you know and in the, in the course of the time too I, I'll slam a couple beers to like cool it down and after I'm done, you know, my body starts to, you know, I'm sweating. Like your body literally is just burning. It's like a sweat like ceremony. Yeah. You're purging toxins through your fatty tissue, which is why you were tripping and wanting to shit your pants. Right. But then when you go back to uh, you go to the bathroom, wash your hands real good, you know, kind of put some cool water in your face, dry off, come back to the bar. And it's like the the most intense adrenaline rush. Like serious like i'm a mountain climber a rock climber you know uh and it was just like it would last for hours this is an intense adrenaline rush where you're just on top of the world for three or four hours and uh capsation i i just was saying all that to say capsation is, is like it has a lot of medicinal benefits it has a lot yep. of um it's got a lot going on there that, that people are, are are just like kind of starting to explore and that's why we're talking about it on this podcast because this podcast has grown and we're evolving all the time. And we're, this is we got to get some pepper night, growers on here. You know, this is our favorite night sometimes because it's just us guys that are always you know supporting everything every week. And and somehow we got on a vegetable thing and you know capsation and stuff. Uh, but it's a yeah, it's that's pretty interesting by the way a lot of people believe a scotch bonnet and a habanero are the same thing unless you oh, have really? I, I didn't know that yeah if you look at the figure it's a habit a scotch bonnet's a habanero an orange habanero so but yeah and they do have red and yellow but you know they black yeah i don't know about all that stuff i i just like the regular hop orange, on, you, you should know. hop on pepper joe's and look at all the varietals on there i've they got so I bought, many crosses i i got a i i've, been, I've got I bought a lot of stuff from Pepper Joe's. Me too. But uh, it, like, I, like you know, three years ago when I was getting into the cannabis thing, I think I, to I told you when, I, when we were chatting, I, I, I sifted through 400 Carolina Reaper seeds. Yeah. Um, and that they're like, you know, they're, they're not cheap. They're $10 a seed, I think, from him, or at least they were at the time. And so it was uh, Well, not quite. There's... I, most of, well, I was going to bring that up since you thought that before we go on with Pepper Joe's. Because, uh, but, but but one thing you were saying about the, the the money that you can make if you grow the hot you know varieties like Ghost Pepper, Carolina Reaper, the Scorpions, the Trinidads. There, there's so many of them, and and actually Pepper Joe's sells the last top from the Carolina Reaper back for the last last ten hottest peppers in the world. You know, by Scoville units, which is speculative. Okay, uh, there's a lot of argument about that, um, but uh, but it's still the the peppers are the hotter peppers are hotter. But when you get to 150,000, 
you know, you're starting to, you know, like split hairs a little. But um, I, I, I bought all that stuff. And around here, I've got friends that will grow them out just and they sell them for a dollar a seed. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, they get a dollar for a seed or or they might sell a pot like a pod, you know, which is one pepper. They'll sell what they call a pod. They'll dry them and then just sell somebody for 75 a cents a dollar. Or ten, well, a, a dollar or ten bucks. So, well, you get a bunch of seeds out of a pod. All but right. I literally know somebody that was selling ghost peppers for a dollar a seed. You know, well, I couldn't believe it that they. I wouldn't have bought them, but you know. I wish I had grabbed some of the Scotch bonnet seeds when I was down in Jamaica. There was a couple of them that were getting. They were like tree size. I should have grabbed the seeds from them. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's an interesting world, and I, I'd love to talk to some people who geek out on it more, you know. Um, Pepper Joe would be a cool guy to have on, you know. Yeah, I'll invite him. Um, one of the other things I wanted to bring up, too, for people that are looking to get into the cannabis industry is um, security. You know, you have to remember that like, you're putting yourself in a different risk, and your family at risk, and everyone around you. You know, when you are a cannabis owner, you know, people see you as, as someone that has lots of cash on him. Then you, right now, at least until the banking's fixed, do have lots of cash on him. So um, it's something yeah. you have to be very careful about and uh, consider when you're thinking about getting, for, you know, applying for a license or not. Is that, you know, is changing the way that you live your day-to-day -day life something you, you'd consider doing? And, you know, can you can you keep one eye, one eye behind your back at all times, you know, as an owner of a company? that's something else a lot of people i've actually talked to people out of uh, the industry you know after having that conversation okay no feedback <laughs> Mr. i'm Keith. sorry i was running across the room and i kind of lost track of it but i thought that was interesting but i didn't i, I wasn't able to come up with a, a, something to Feedback. It's, it's just par for the course, you know. Yep. Murder Mountain. Murder Mountain. Oh, yeah. For those of you guys that aren't familiar with the industry, and it's, this doesn't represent the industry, but it sure as hell represents Humboldt. Go watch Murder Mountain. It is a really, really good documentary on what actually goes on in Humboldt County. And it's it, a little dramatic. I, I mean, well, I don't know, man. Having been having had my own fair share of bullshit up there, I would say it's pretty par for the course. You talking about people poaching and people shooting people about over it and stuff like that? Yeah, um, people die. A lot of people die. Yeah. That's for that's yeah, that's real. That's for. That's oh, real. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But most people don't realize that either, right? They think of the Emerald Triangle as, uh, you know. I think it's weed paradise, and it's not. It's a nightmare over there now, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's always been, you know. One, I mean, one, there's always been a lot of illegal activity going on. Anywhere there's a lot of illegal activity, people tend to get paranoid. <clears throat> and just to give you an idea, like, my mom's family has lived in Redway and Garberville for generations. Um, and so I used to spend all my, all my summers running around uh, in that area down there. My brother lived down there with my mom. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time down there and, and it's, <laughs> I've also seen the, the thing and it's a little dramatic. I will definitely give you that. It's not like, I mean, it's not, um, I don't, it's not like exaggerated. 
I would say that it, it would, I would say the way that they produced it and the way they talk about it and the way that they, you know, like, uh, the way that it's, it's produced, it, it's definitely, um, overdone, <laughs> but well, you say there is a lot of truth in it. There's that, there's a large element of truth in it. They're putting decades of violence into two hours, right? So it's got to be overstated. Kind of. I mean, it's just, it's a topic that has so many nuances. I think that it's difficult to try and fit it into a documentary because like I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's like, it's a, a very interesting place because you have like two polar opposite communities that end up coexisting. You have like this really sort of like, salt of the earth kind of like loggers <clears throat> that are, are left over from an industry that got killed by regulation in exactly the same way that most of the cannabis industry does, which is uh, timber. Um, you know, you have a, a lot of, a lot of the logging community that really sort of exist, coexist with the grower community that showed up, you know, and, you know, obviously a lot of hippies, um, you know, well, so you want the trees cut down. Yeah, you get a lot of weird dynamics <laughs> that end up happening because when the tim industry shut down, you have a lot of people without jobs and looking yeah. for things to do, people that need to make money. So, you know, people that uh, <laughs> on the surface or in public, I should say, uh, you know, are very outspoken against, you know, the hippies and their dirty weed and everything else. Meanwhile, their basement is full of indoor. You know, <laughs> they sell to somebody mealing it across the country to New York on the regular. So, um, I, can, it, I can attest to that. I personally witnessed quite a, a, a whole Native American tribe working in cahoots with the DEA that had a full pass to, to move weed freely right in front of them. And I watched it happen directly in front of them. Allegedly. Right. So, you, you know, so you, you have the whole native population, which, you know, like that's a whole, a whole another aspect to it. And you have tribe, tribal politics getting involved there too, where like, you know, you have the, the tribe who's growing their own. So then they're helping the law enforcement bust the people that are growing illegally on their land, which is kind of fucked up, you know, but at the same time, you know. That's what I was referring to. Yeah, so it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of. Steve was a lot nicer about it. I guess I'm a little more direct, <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's a difficult. It's a, you know, again, so many different nuances, but you, you get all these different polarized uh, communities that end up coexisting in a very rural and kind of isolated area. You know, it's lots of hills. You know, it's up and down. You you know, you have rivers and creeks and. You know, it's it's pretty steep and it's not necessarily mountainous and that you have really tall mountains, but it's just a lot of of steep hills, essentially. So it's not a lot of altitude change, but it's a lot of, you know, little nooks and crannies and different places where people can hike gorilla grows and, you know, all kinds of different stuff. And so it's not, um, you know, it's definitely an area where not like other parts of the state, like, uh, you know, I lived in in far northern california in siskiyou county most of the time with my dad and around there you can pretty there's a lot of public land you can walk around and hunt and fish and do whatever you want without have you know being as concerned and uh, as you would be in the humboldt area walking across 
you know, vast real estates, eventually you're going to run into a grow, um, which is more than likely booby trapped or at least has, you know, security guards around it. With you guns. Know, with guns. Um, you know, and, and all of that has existed all the way back, you know, since yeah. the nineties, you know, and, and, and a lot of it is just because it's illegal. A lot of people don't understand that it, it comes with that. Like if, uh, you become a target for criminal organizations that are looking to steal because you can't call the cops, they know you've got large amounts of cash, you know, like a lot of it is just out of self-defense, but obviously you have some of the people like you get in this documentary we were talking about that are you know legitimately probably fucking crazy right i mean uh you know you definitely get um that paranoia and you know you get the you know there's definitely people that have disappeared like there's no there's documented evidence of all of that so um you know where they went or what happened i think they they take a little bit of that that's where the drama comes in for me when you can see it being overproduced is when they start trying to conjure up their own stories about what happened. And so that's the only part for me that gets a little, a little sketchy about the documentary, but overall there's definitely a lot, a lot of truth to it. Sounds like they've kind of made a Blair witch project out of a cannabis thing in Humboldt. I didn't realize at first you were saying about a documentary either. I thought you were talking about a movie about it, you right. know, but you're saying a documentary, that's the whole different story. Multi-episode documentary about what really goes down with the trimmigrant the trimmigrants and some of the other things that you aren't told publicly that happen in, in cannabis country. More specifically okay. the Rainbow Triangle and Humboldt. But that have you guys uh Oregon and Washington heard the uh, River's Last Chance? Marty, no. have you, do you know about that one? You you should check it out. It's really cool. It's about the Eel River, and it, right. it, it it walks through the 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 history, you know, and and kind of like white American civilization in relationship to the Eel River, and it goes you know through through the the logging through cannabis. Um, it's very interesting. To, to, to see how and it brings it right up to present. And couldn't logging be put right up there with like railroad in a way, in a sense, even though yeah. we're in compassion about loggers, we're talking about people unduly buying was, was, large lots of land and harvesting wood from, you know, maybe native or indigenous, you know, Americans, you know, with, you know, with, whether they liked it or not, you know, or land be given to them by a governor you know, when they were developing the uh, Northwestern uh, territories, you know, back in the day of the gold rush and all that stuff. Well, that's going to be pretty much everywhere if you want to get technical. <laughs> well, well, kind of, sort of, but, you know, the West was founded by a bunch of Northeasterners that had money and then went out there and after they bulldozed the railroad through, they installed their own cronies and, you know, whether they be murderers or piece of crap or whatever they were, but somebody that got the job done into being a governor out there. And, you know, and that's a fact. Um, so it sounds to me like the same thing we're talking about with logging is, you know, we're worried. About, I mean, we're just talking about a situation where we weren't really judging, but we've gotten to the conversation where I, I'm not so much judging, but bringing up the fact that the loggers, that are worried about the hippies that came in to stop them from cutting down all the trees. So they, and then they grow pot outdoors. 
while the loggers are going indoors really isn't the point. The point is, is that the loggers are there making a living doing something that some corporate guy or somebody with a lot of money stole from somebody else back in the day. And, and for the, for the folks in the, in the Hills that live there from way back when and managed not to get murdered off or had to relocate or go hide up somewhere to keep from being murdered off. Now they're fighting it in, in their own way, but it, now it's cannabis. So, I mean, that's, not, that's my weird, you know, Sure. Well, that, that's what the, this documentary was. It was like Gold Rush, uh, the logging cannabis, and it was you know it was from the river's perspective. Ah, and, cool. And cool. it's it was very cool. It, it tells exactly that story of the land and how the land just keeps getting raped and recovering. And then it talks about the salmon and raped, and then recovering, and then raped, and then recovering, and like it just it's a testament to the power of. Um, the life on this planet you know the, the, i don't know i'm i'm totally tripping out like i'm going deep into into biology and stuff with with the soul food <laughs> web stuff and I'm, I'm just like holy crap the earth is powerful it wins like hey, you got us all a lot of bad shit out of it you know this movie kind of like makes you like at the end you're like yeah the earth wins <laughs> Tell me about it. it's January and it's been sixty degrees for a week here and raining every freaking day. Damn. I'm just kidding. You know? No, I mean it just I actually I, I don't want it to be warm. I want it to dry up. I mean I don't care if it's warm or cold, but normally if I had my greenhouse running, which didn't have heat, my crop ended up you know before New Year's, between Christmas and New Year's, every year. I'd keep going, oh, I think I'm going to make it. I'm going to be able to make it. And then, bam, it's like three days, 28 degrees, bam, everything's dead. Well, all of a sudden, we've had two nights that didn't even, almost got to freezing. We've had two frost nights, and it's the 5th of January. You know, it's been 60 degrees for a week, and it's going to be 60 degrees for another week. You know, again, I'm not really, you know, it doesn't suck because I'm not freezing my butt off, but on the other hand, since the hurricane we had like three or four months ago, my land has never dried out. I can't get anything done. It's a swamp. And for the first time ever in over 20 years, I've got land out here that I can't do anything out there. It's a mud, you know, if I try to do anything, I'm going to be just creating a mud pit. And I try to leave my, you know, I try to leave my yard from getting all tore up. So I can't really drive trucks through or, Right now, I'd be driving trucks around and pulling trailers and because I'm dead set on getting everything set up this year and getting back to work and starting aquaponics in some phase in way and shape or form. And instead of being able to do that, I'm stuck in a mud pit. And growing up, though, I, when I was down in Jamaica, down near Black River, they were growing everything down there in a swamp. It's a whole delta. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're all prepared. And and it's also, it's farmland, though. It's not a greenhouse, right? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure they have greenhouses, but yeah. you're talking about an open farm. Not really. This was all outside. Yeah. It was in yeah. a market. So it's like you're growing sugar cane. I probably could grow the shit out of sugar cane. You know? Yeah. Real similar. <laughs> it was all around. You know? or bamboo. Either <laughs> reeds or bamboo or... There's a, a tall grass there, like a rush, some kind of a tropical rush. I'd actually like to grow bamboo because you can take that and put it everywhere and, you know, do all kind of stuff with that. I mean, if you know, you could use it, 
you know, for yourself. So, but I mean, it is yeah, an invasive sucker. Bring that up next time Scotty's on. Scotty's got a whole big bamboo farm. I think we talked about that when he was on before because I'm really intrigued with bamboo. But it it is something you don't mess around. You don't start putting out bamboo and not, and you better be ready to take care of it, you know, because it likes to spread around. Well, I guess there's one species maybe that's not so bad, but uh, but well, uh, we got to be careful. Is how big some of those bamboo varieties. Like, there's a couple of. There, I didn't realize how many different varieties they are, and some of them get like the size. Like they're huge. I mean, it's it's like a manhole. You know, half the size of a manhole cover. You know, I have to. You know, it's crazy. You feel like you're that's a how they make flooring. Plastic bark or something. That's how they make bamboo flooring because they have to have those big so they can work it and steam it out and everything to where they can get it flat. And and that. But you can literally make, you could have bamboo that's only, a, you know, an inch or two inches maybe and just make a walkway. Oh, yeah. Together with twine or, you know, hemp with hemp twine. <laughs> you know, get your bamboo and your hemp and you can sew everything, you can tie everything together with your hemp. And, uh, and but you could, uh, in fact, you probably could take hemp and make a walkway. But, but the bamboo, you can just take the bamboo poles themselves. We got a bunch of it down here. Uh, a friend of mine's got like a shitload growing all up and down beside his property along of power lines. And it's like there for the taking, you know, you can, you know, you can just go and chop it down, but it, yeah, you could, it's, you have to be industrious, you know, and willing to uh, build your own infrastructure. Again, it's like what we're talking about with regenerative growing, uh, using everything, anything in anything you could think about growing and how that has a purpose. So if you wanted to grow bamboo, you know, you, it has a purpose because you could cut it into walkways. Uh, you can do it, use it. I mean, you have to be industrious and you also have to be able to handy with tools, you know, also are willing to fabricate things or have a, have an, have a, uh, a mind that allows you to think of ways to use things where other people wouldn't or hell just Google it. And I'm sure that you can find something over in Indonesia and Vietnam where they can show you how to use bamboo. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those products that's so hard. And, and hell, how long does it take to rot? I mean, I, that does that does it rot? I don't even know if you can rot bamboo. We lost you. Eventually, yeah. Eventually, but longer than pine or something. You know, a lot longer than any kind of pine or any kind of crap like that. So, Mr. Green Jeans, do you have uh, enough quiet to talk or no? Uh, what's that? Oh, yeah. I guess it's pretty quiet in here uh, yeah. You, you, you yeah i uh yeah starting some seeds swami sent me some uh sent me a couple of packs of seeds it was really cool uh cool. one of yeah one of them's uh uh open pollinated cherry bomb 2016 and uh a couple of other things. It's amazing now. I, now I have cherry bomb back again. <laughs> so that's one of yours. So you got a late. You got a twenty-six out of your own strain. Back. Yeah, to I haven't. I haven't had it myself. I haven't had cherry bomb for the last five years. <laughs> that's Any cool. That that germinate. Um, but uh, these I'm gonna start. You know, storing them in the refrigerator and everything properly and everything like I should be. So uh, hopefully they'll last longer. But I already have a couple started and a few of the other ones he sent me got those started. 
That's yeah. good news, man. I know you got to love that. That's got to made you real yeah. happy when you got those, man. Sorry, I don't have the packets for show and tell. I should have. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Got a nice little male plant in a uh, in a plastic cup, though. Good example how you can, uh, you can get pollen like that. It's all you need. He's in the water. Not just a rooted clone. Yeah, I don't even think he's rooted. I just chopped him off the top, just the top of the plant. The rest of it is somewhere back in in the other room. But he's enough that he's making flowers, and he is, you know, far away. So I can, yeah, cool. I can just just put this part in the in the window. You know, you don't have to take the the rest of the plant. So the lower part. I put him back onto the long, uh, longer day length, and I'll start regenerating him. You know, in case I want to keep. And this, this part is all I need. You know, this is all you need for pollen. It's enough. So what you did was you, 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 you went ahead and induced flower so you could sex the plant, and then you topped yeah. it, and that's what you got there. Just because, yeah, okay. So everybody understands. I, I knew yeah. that, but I want to make sure all the kids out there understood. Another another part of it, I I, I rooted it. <clears throat> you know, I made it so I made another cutting as well. But I this part I just uh, is in the window because it's in the middle of the winter. You know, so it'll keep on flowering. It's like twelve hours. You know, so all the boys are sitting in the window happily flowering away. <laughs> but I was just gonna say you don't need to. You know, they don't need to be in in big cups or larger. You know, they could be in a small, uh, in a cup like that of water. I mean, it, it, he's been there here a week, you know, he's perfectly happy dropping pollen. So, you know, <laughs> easy method. Uh, Josh was talking earlier about, you know, everybody, everybody getting into breeding and stuff. And it's, don't Here's have pollen. Green jeans. Don't be afraid of pollen. <laughs> Green jeans, yeah. So you Tell can. I, this is I just threw this at a cup, you know. I did Mr. Green jeans. I used Pro Mix, and I put it in a little cup. And here's this been sitting around for. This is this is like a month and a half old. I've been keeping under. Oh, I'll hold it still. I always tell you guys that's right. I can see it, but you, you know, uh, you don't need to. You know, you you can keep it right in this little cup. And there you go. It's it's not even all the way full with ProMix. It's like two-thirds full. And this has been sitting around for almost two months. And that's all it is. And you can top it to cl take clones or, or whatever, right? And But it'll just sit there until you're ready to put in a bigger pot, and then it'll grow you a few ounces. So, yeah, I, I love it because I, I got something else to show you, but I had to show you that, my friend, that, you know, I bought into it. I've always propagated in Rockwell, and I've been highly successful. But after meeting Mr. Green Jeans, I've de I dedicated a whole uh, two two um, grows or, or or generations to the Pro Mix rooted clones in a 16 ounce solo cup. There. All right, I give it back to you, my friend. No, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> What what is that one, Steve? 
What is it? These are, these are yours still. I actually have yeah. some other ones I planted, but they're not ready. They're they're too far away for me to grab them quickly. Well, this is the back jack and the and this one. Wow. The light I have it under isn't the best, so it's a little bit stretchy. But I have some spectrum kings in route right now, so they'll be coming next week probably. They'll probably be coming after I leave for the conference, which would be great because I'm not going to be back until like way fucking later in the month, which sucks, but it's okay. And then this one is the. Uh, uh, okay, my roommate can set the lights up. Um, FCD crossed with WA. Oh, nice. I forget that's which that one is. Flow Chem Dog. That oh, was from yeah. you. Yeah, oh. that's. That's your genetics crossed with white wizard. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let me tell you about what your own plant is. Yeah. Well, because I didn't have a male of the flow chem dog. I only got a single female of that one. Oh, okay. So I had to cross it with something. <laughs> now, here you go. Here's what I do next. Uh, I put it into this little six, six inch pot, and this is my vegged plant this is a super lemon haze and it's almost two months old and it came from the top of another one see and i just chopped off when i wanted to like it'll grow till it gets unruly and like if this one was not flowered in time i would go ahead and cut the top off of here and reroute it and then this would just keep getting bushy and bushy and bushy but yeah i did this as again and you know pro mix a simple way like you know, it's not now. Mr. Green is using organic compost or something like that, but I'm just using Pro Mix and adding my own nutrients to it. And uh, but the the thing is, is that you know we get so carried away with size, and really for a lot of things, especially I'm learning, even though I'm not breeding at this point, and and I'm not sure I have any plans to. I respect the hell out of all the guys that do breed, and uh, and you know, but the fact is, is that. I've been I've been doing this for a while, like a few months now, where it saved me a lot of space. And on the back end, when I do a plant like this and I top it at the at, before I flower it, I'm getting these plants that I trim off a lot of this off the bottom to clean it up for aeration and all, and to let the energy get to the top. But not only that, I've now come up by doing this from this small plant where it was vegged here for a long time. I just basically put it in a five-gallon pot and flower it, and I've got stems that are bigger than that growing up, like eight stems that are just going to be a solid stack of colas. You know, so it's a really – tell you what, especially with us all having limited growth space, wouldn't you say, with these tents and, and, and small spaces, if you could get a bushy plant like and not make it so bushy – and, and somehow manipulate it where it wants to grow up towards the light and you get eight strong secondary stems that grow into colas, you're going to get a nice yield off that plant, even in smaller pots. And thank you, Mr. Green Jeans, for showing us that a year ago or so. And I've, I've tried it out, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to know if it works or not by trying it, man. And uh, just, kudos to you, man. Just the way you can control the watering, you know, you really, you really have a lot of control of, of water and so therefore nutrients you know and it's um it's almost it's like semi hydroponic you know i i feel like or not hydro hydroponic because uh you know you can obviously do a uh 
uh, an organic method or a natural way of doing it, but you know. You like I'm, to actually use fish water, so you're saying there's kind of like an option yeah, on I, it. It's I, a phonic. It's a phonic. Little, yeah, they're only, I'm, it's only semi aquaponic. I'm just using regular tap water as well. But I think, yeah, you call it semi phonic since the semi hydro and semi aquaponics, it should be semi phonic. This yeah, because a lot. I think when uh, a plant gets you know big on the top and it's root bound on the bottom, it it, it can sit in in uh, drainage, can sit in its uh, runoff. And I use really uh, drainy soil. My soil has a lot of sand and stuff in it, so it's almost like a you know. Uh, a, I don't know. It's a, <laughs> it's easier to to flush all things out of it like I guess if, you, if I made a mistake like if I overfed something you know it's easy to uh, flush it out water. yeah or you know I don't even really need to it just automatically things like that it's well, kind of hard to over overfeed it you know what I mean I it wouldn't, wouldn't really. I got my roommate this banana plant at the beginning of December it was on the verge of death at the nursery and we gave it a bunch of mycorrhizae and cannabis nutrients and some fish water and this thing's grown nine new leaves in a month which is kind of insane wow. for a banana plant i just wanted to like share that how insane the growth was on this thing that was neat getting back so mr uh, what i noticed about this too like those pots that i was showing you but well there's two things i wanted to address that mr green Dean said the watering and those six inch six uh inch pots that i just showed you the larger one I water every two to three days. I give them about a cup of water a piece and that's it. And just let them just enough to, it keeps them alive and green and healthy, but not growing. And I pulled a couple out the other day and I would do that now, except it would make a mess on my floor and I got enough of a mess, but I actually found out that it was not that it was very, not very root bound. And after a month and a half, but just giving it all right my theory is the fact that if you don't saturate the entire pot the roots are always going to grow to the damp to the water where the water source of the nutrients are so if you don't saturate the entire pot the roots won't get go down to the bottom and get super root bound at the bottom they'll more they'll spread out more across the top part of the pot and 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 establish roots there which I think in turn might be, I don't know, but I'm, that's, that's what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing a lot of root boundness, so, but you, like you said, it cuts down on watering. It's easy to flush, you know, if you need to, but hadn't really had any problem. Biggest thing I have is when I neglect to water them because it's a small pot and then they, and then you guys out there, when you do that and you come back and you think it looks good when you water it and it stands up and then three days later you got yellow leaves well that's because they died because you didn't water them in time <laughs> yeah in, in a small pot they can run out of water really quickly yeah you know if the light's bright obviously they're going to drink a lot of water i think it's related to the light you know if the light isn't very bright then they won't use a lot of water as soon as the lights bright or in some way they're absorbing a lot you know the light uh, is hitting a lot of the leaves and then they get thirsty and they drink a lot of water but yeah we also we, i think if your fan can dry it up a little too if you got too much fan oh yeah 
Yeah, you can drive. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I also you find out. You shouldn't have a fan. Oh, you always got to have a fan, but you don't want it to be too, too drastic. You want to. I, I don't believe in direct fan, not on the plants. Maybe circulating the air in the room, but not blowing directly on the plants. Like, for example, if there was a hermaphrodite flower, it should drop the pollen, it should just drop where it is. It shouldn't get it all blown around and everything. Yeah, there should be not enough, if it's possible to get away with, you know, well, just circulating the air out of the room, out of the room, circulating the air in the room is really important, and you know, changing air out of the room—that's very important. Well, I always Before felt me. like blowing a fan, not not steady, but oscillating through the can through the undergrowth, helps to uh, to deter insects, well, uh, flying insects, a little bit too. But I mean, I could be wrong on that. Ideally, you want above and below the canopy if you can prune your plants and have a nice. Yeah, yeah, below. Below, yeah. okay, that's okay. In that's the okay. pot layer, in the layer of the top of your pots and your canopy. If you can have fans blowing through that layer and another set blowing kind of across the top slash into that cult that cultivation layer, um, that can definitely that's that's your ideal because remember, VPD is temperature plus humidity plus air movement. Without yeah. without air movement, it doesn't help it at all. No, well, that's and, what I'm talking about. You've got that. You got to have that bottom canopy, under canopy airflow for to keep them. To me, is to keep the pest from like lighting and being comfortable. And then you have to have the the other top light is to keep the heat. It kind of moves that heat from the light off the top of the canopy. And and I know Mr. Green just wanted to say something. So no, I was just going to say also uh, supply CO two because you know the if the air is not if you're not if you're not exchanging. A, air and moving it moving around the leaves and the plants are growing really fast they'll use up all the co2 really quickly yep that's that's another thing i like to put the i like to seal the room up and not exchange too much air during the day and that co2 shuts off maybe an hour before the plants turn off the lights turn off um have the CO2 off. and then then you turn your your ventilation on and change the air out of the room and that, that's really good that's a good point and to reiterate steve phased out a little bit so i'm gonna i'm gonna caption that a little bit with saying that uh yeah i was getting ready to say the same thing like mr green was saying if you if you want to capture co2 you can't have your ventilation on all the time you have to have it on so that the co2 can build up the plants can take it you know and, and absorb it and so you don't, some people say, I run my exhaust all the time. Well, then you have no CO2 buildup. And if you're running CO2, you're just blowing it out your ass. You know, so exactly what Mr. Green Jeans, what Steve just said is exactly right. You got to allow it to, you really need your heat to build up to the threshold of where it's too hot and then exhaust it, you know. And it's best if you're running CO2 that you have it time to cut off. So that while it's exhausting, you're not blowing CO2 out of your exhaust. Yeah, you want the CO2 to kick on about an hour before the lights turn on because you want to build the CO2 level up to 11 or 1200 ppms. And then you want to have the lights come on about an hour after that and then have the CO2 shut off about an hour beforehand because you just you're, you, the plants don't need you know, additional CO2 for that last hour. You're, you're already at threshold in the room anyway. So there's no reason for you to add more after that. So that's going to help save waste. Oh. And CO2. 
lot. That's a good point. So you're saying you would just have to dose them once a day? Well, no, you would dose them, yeah, during the day, whenever the lights are on. Remember, no. the, they only utilize CO2 when, the light, when they're committed, you know, making well, yeah. Right, right. So there's, there's zero point to having them on at nighttime. And see, going with that for everybody out there that's maybe a newbie or something, you don't, you don't run, you don't new, you don't give nutrients, you don't feed plants when the lights are out. You don't need CO2 when the lights are out because it, it takes the light and the energy that the light projects onto the plant for the plant to function and photosynthesis to occur so that can absorb, absorb the CO2. Especially if you're feeding foliar nutrients. I mean, um, remember the, the largest diameter is you got, well, if you've taken my class, you know the answer to this question, which everyone here is either a teacher of the class or has taken the class, but um, does anyone remember what the, the optimal temperature or optimal time of day for the maximum diameter of the stomata is? In the class. I probably missed that part because that would be at the beginning. Uh, it was in the nutrient section. That was the second day. <laughs> I don't remember. I um, should know this too. Thanks an hour, a lot. <laughs> an hour after the lights. That's when the Come on. largest day. Well, yeah. Like any plant. And I, you know, well, the plant has to absorb X amount of well, like they used to say in the old days, candle lighter, you know, before it would take up nutrients. And, yeah, so I should, yeah, I should have just said that. An hour, it's, you know, that's kind of, depends on the light intensity, wouldn't it, too? Yeah, but if you're, if you're foliar feeding, that's when you, to, to feed nutrients, to get nutrients into that leaf tissue, that's the time to do it. And, again, we've talked about this. I, I've talked, we've had him on the show, um, Dinesh from Optic Foliar. In fact, we'll get him back on again here soon. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, Emerald or Vegas, they all kind of blur together. Um, uh, um, I think it was in Vegas, if memory serves me right. Anyways, uh, I think we're going to get it back on the show. But uh, they have a product called Op um, uh, Transport by Optic Foliar. Uh, that is a really, really, really good. It's an organic wetting agent. It helps those nutrients get through that cell wall and uh, you know go through both the top and bottom of the leaf and, and bypass the stomata as far as an entry point. Yeah, I remember that. We discussed that. I remember discussing that with him because when he was describing it, and we were asking if it was a wedding agent, you know, and, and you know, yeah, that was pretty dumb on me. I, I guess it's been a, a, a couple too many of these right here. But, yeah, plants, plants, uh, you know, I was taught when I started hydroponics that you didn't, you didn't have to, uh, you didn't water them the minute that the sun came up. You had to wait until there was enough light to where the plant was ready to feed. So, yeah, that'd be about an hour. So you got me on that one. I look bad on that one. So. Well, but traditionally people will tell you not to put foliar spray until the lights turn off. But that that's actually when the stomata are in the smallest diameter. So you have the hardest time getting a molecule into that stomata. So you're kind of defeating the purpose by doing it with the lights off is kind of what I'm getting at. The only time you should spray foliars with the lights off is for insects. You know, if you're doing foliars for insect control, that's when you want to spray with the lights are off because you want to just smother, you know, you don't want them, those insects active and mobile. You want them to be huddled up for the night and you want to, you know, nuke them. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, right after the lights turn off with a, with a green headlamp or something like that, that's when you want to spray or, you know, right last half an hour, an hour of the day, go through and spray right before the lights turn off. That's when you want us to do 
foliar sprays for insects. So that's the difference between, you know, foliar sprays and why you would do those two between it, you know, one versus the other. And again, because you're trying to catch them in the dark when they're dormant is what you're saying. And, and by the way, those green lights are, you know, you can get an excellent green light for that kind of application in an emergency only situation from Spectrum King. Do they have green ones? Um, yes, they definitely do. I talked to Brandon on the show about it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to see. It's not recommended to use unless you have to use it. That's the bottom line. I, uh, I know that Orr and Brendan have a um, booth up at, uh, the hell's the name of it, uh, in Canada. Not the one Josh is doing, Lyft. They're up at Lyft, so may or may not have some coverage from up there. We'll see if I can find my way into Lyft. I'm thinking I might be able to find a way in there. We'll see. I don't have a ticket right now. I'm speaking at the other conference on weekends, or at least on Friday, so we'll see. I can't uh, find a way over there on, the, on an off hour or something. Um, but yeah, so that you, we'll hear from them again soon. Uh, they're, they're really great guys. Again, if you guys aren't familiar with LEDs, please go check our lighting in general. Please go check out the LEDs the Spectrum King episodes that we've had. A, they were one of our earlier guests, episode 30-something, and then episode 99 and episode 40 something and episode 60 something i think are the different episodes they've been on at least four times now so and they just drop so much knowledge every time they're on they're just a really great bunch of guys so. um uh what have you uh what have you been up to in your garden there um uh, mr green jeans Okay. Let's see. Not much. Um, oh, you know, you know what? I have the uh, a macuna bean that uh, has gotten really big. Hell and, yeah! Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't seem to mind the cold either. Another one that I guess is not very uh, deeply rooted. You know, does it seems to be not growing much. I guess it's too cold. But one of them is growing, you know, growing up. This is up in in Los Angeles, up in LA, and and uh, um, and it's gotten huge. It's uh, it's amazing, and it doesn't, you know, like I said, it doesn't seem to mind the cold, which is interesting. So I wonder, uh, like, when's it gonna flower? It must be. And you know, not to touch the beans, right? The beans are yeah. very okay. Yeah. Yeah, cow itch exactly. It hasn't started, uh, you know, making beans yet or flowers. And they, they got three or four feet long at least before they generally start to produce. Oh, this thing! This thing is like I don't know. Part of it must be uh, eleven feet long. The way it's twining up this cactus and over some other bushes and everything. Sure. So it's I don't big. know. I don't know if it's photoperiod or. Um, um, you know, uh, a certain age or, or what kicks it, but you could try giving it an extra potassium and try to force force fruit it. Uh, again, yeah. it might just be a, a photo period or a temperature thing too. It's certain, it's a lot of those tropical vines, if one of those two things is off, it won't flower. Yeah, I was going to ask if you thought it might be because he said uh, he said it was cold. I've, yeah, I've only cold. grown macuna in the summer. Yeah, I, 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 I was, you know, I expected it to be warm. I just planted them just because to plant a few and see if they would germinate, and you know they did, and this one's doing fine. So. And for yeah. those of the, for those that aren't aware, Macuna proensis beans are 
one of the most healing beans after cannabis, like healing plants after cannabis. The beans have a natural form of HGH, which helps you with, with healing or muscle building. Uh, if you're recovering from surgery, they're great for that. They have a small amount of DMT. Uh, was it up to 0.8%? I think it is DMT, um, which is on the lower end of, of, of stuff. But if you take enough of them, you can definitely feel, have a good time um, just orally through sublingual. Um, if you roll them in your teeth, which is my favorite. Yeah. And then they also have like a mild painkiller. Um, they have a, 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 a compound that helps to reduce tumor growth and directly like, like helps your body's immune system tell the difference between tumors and your own immune system by detecting the chemical that releases they release in order to um, figure out what's a vein and a blood vessel. And so that, uh, or I'm sorry, for new vein and blood vessel growth so that the, the, it can tell your body can tell, hey, that's produced by the tumor, and that's an imposter hormone, and not the hormone your muscles release to get that same kind of, you know, I need more blood. Um, so it helps you give more time when you're fighting, you know, if you're up against, uh, you know, an, a growth. Um, I mean, that's not medical advice, but that's anecdotal advice, I guess, to cover my ass. Um, <laughs> um, and it's uh, it just it, it's a really, really great herb. Uh, it makes you feel a little bit better. It makes you a little bit more energy. Um, it's, it's a really, really good, I've been taking it for over 10 years. Um, it really helps too with, um, if you get a, um, like if you're a glutard, like I'm a glutard, if you get, um, you know, poison from gluten, you know, you'll, you'll absolutely have a, a reactions or if you have, um, like a food allergy, you get like a reaction, like the anaphylactic reaction or like your, that, that immune system reaction it really helps calm that down. I can take the powder. Uh, from the Lacuna uh, Paransis bean powder, and, and it helps me significantly as far as like um, negating negating um, side effects. So that can be a great great way to um, at least that's how I use it personally. Um, but it's a really really great plant. That moringa would be you know some of the other plants I'd highly suggest for people to try growing at home for medicinal purposes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you find seed? Where for everybody out there? Where do you find those seeds? You got. I've always bought mine from India. I generally buy them about a kilo at a time, but I'm eating the seeds a lot. You, know, you can plant them, but I eat them usually. <laughs> I, I ordered them from a guy in Australia, and he was really cool. Uh, really cool uh, guy uh, was called Fair Dinkum, <laughs> which is really easy to remember. Fair Dinkum seeds in Australia, and he had a, a bunch of other uh, interesting. Uh, stuff as well. Cool. But, uh, We've got a couple of Aussies on those. That'd be cool. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and I think of that they were expensive. And, you know, I've seen like powdered Makuna um, uh, for like, I don't know what, like $80 a kilo or something or $50 a kilo. I can something buy it. Very buy expensive. I buy the beans between 35 and 50 a kilo. Yeah. But it seems like, uh, you know, it's, 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 it grows pretty easy, I guess, in warm weathers and in warm weather and tropics. And it's kind of like a ground cover. It could be a ground, really good ground cover. Well, Steve, right? you're going to have to turn me on to where to get a kilo for that kind because I definitely live in a freaking warm tropical area. And yeah. uh, that'd be kind of cool as hell if I could, you know. There's probably go like crazy. I yeah. have the black seeded variety over the speckled seed variety. The black seeded variety, at least in my experience, 
has been the more medicinal of the two as far as you know medicinal properties it seems to have more of the substances that we're after well, that that goes hand in hand with the darker vegetables have more medicinal qualities so. the anthocyanins have a lot of anti-inflammatory compounds um, just, I mean, strictly talking about the exterior, not even talk, t talking about the interior of the seed, but the, the darker the plant, especially the leaf material, if it's red or purple or black, that's anthocyanin production, which is, which is an anti-inflammatory in humans. They actually, um, anth anthocyanin and, and um, uh, um, uh, phycocyanin, both of those are anti-inflammatories that are in prescription medications. So. Wow. Seed looks like a little hamburger. I think the one I have, and I think it's the speckled variety. I think it's are the ones you have. have you have one to show us? Speckled ones are fine. No, I started three, and I have another three left uh, as well that I haven't started yet. I think I, I, I think he only gave me six for twenty bucks or something, or ten bucks or. I'd wait till March. They were expensive. I'd wait till March. I'd wait till March or April to germinate. Them. Oh, I was planning to, to do the other ones. But amazingly, this one uh, vine is doing pretty well. I didn't expect it to make it through the, the winter, but it's Los Angeles. It's, it's not too bad here. So maybe it will make it. We'll see. But yeah, hopefully next year, if I have a supply of the seeds, I can, I can supply you guys with some. So, because yeah. Go ahead. How the first time I ever grew it, I grew it in this tiny little garden behind our row home, my, my yeah. ex-husband's house. And it got maybe three or four hours of sunlight a day. And it grew straight up to the top of the four-story row home in about two or three months and, and took over the entire rooftop of the row home. It was crazy. That's it grows like. It grows faster than weed does. It's crazy. Almost like bamboo. It just shoots up. <laughs> And it was only in, this was in like a, a seven gallon pot and this thing was like the size of a house nice. you know? <laughs> it was yeah. concrete underneath it wasn't shooting roots into the ground that was it you know? <laughs> i think it's a legume also it's right so yeah. it's it's making it's bringing its own nitrogen it's really green it looks beautiful and uh, now the shoots are turning red the tips and everything and getting beautiful colors and things from the I guess from the cold weather, but also from probably deep minerals. I bet the roots are getting deep now that the top is so big. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, really, your, really cool. Most of your vines or anything that's like vining and stretching like that has pretty deep roots, at least anything that climbs. Yeah. A deep root system. Um, yeah. We, we've yeah. talked about before about purslane and, and clover both having ridiculously deep root systems as well. So. Yeah. Yep. What about it? Yeah, it's cool. Anything else going on in your garden, Mr. Green Jeans? Uh, that's let's see, that's probably it. Oh yeah, we're getting we were getting the giant man, I don't have any of it to show. I'm so that's so terrible. Getting the giant uh guavas are starting to come in. Big oh. um I started a uh well I have two trees back there, but one of them uh, that I started from seed is the Indian guava that makes it gigantic green ones and uh they're you know they make really good jelly Mandar everyone's getting mandagovas stink like hell when they're over ripened on the ground under the tree though holy shit yeah we had oh, one, I, uh, we had one in jamaica where i was living and man did that i love them. 
stink like hell. Like, yeah, it was great to go out there and get them, but the rotted ones that were underneath the tree yeah. were just, oh man, it's such a, like a weird alcoholic fermented like guava overpowered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that. <laughs> I know those, but those are the best guavas when they're when they're ripe. Those ones that, oh, yeah. if that later on smell just terrible rotting on the ground. Right, it's almost like tea. You know, really good ones, like barely, you know, tolerable to your nose. But damn, if it doesn't taste amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or like, uh, what is that? Um, what's the fruit? The uh, uh, terrible smelling one. Oh, it's illegal durian. Yeah, durian. Durian. <laughs> durian that's great i love it it's delicious it's oh, funny so there's a there's a um a relative of durian and sweet and soursop called jungle sop and it looks uh, like a durian but yeah. it doesn't it's a, a pleasant custard super sugary sweet smelling fruit and it looks almost identical like if you don't really know durians that well you would see yeah. it and think, oh that's a durian or a jackfruit you know, and, and it's that same size, huge, but it, man, you could, you could sit there and pick out on that for a whole day. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. We're getting, um, yeah, up in, in, uh, Los Angeles, we're getting, uh, uh, papayas. There's a couple of papayas. Gosh, I, don't, I, I had, I don't have any of the show. But, uh, and also the the moringa tree there's you know that one is overwintering up there and it it's doing fine um it it has like a couple of yellow leaves here and there but it's huge you know it's still 20 maybe 20 feet tall can you take some cuts so because it'll root out yeah yeah, you know what, um, uh, Auntie is. Uh, she's experiment. We're trying to, uh, you know, root smaller cuttings. So that I you we know, did a ton in Jamaica. I probably did seven or eight normally, in Jamaica. So yeah. what you do is put them in a in a media bed with a flood and drain. All you gotta do, straight uh, up, uh, and put them with like an aquarium or even just a low level of organic nutrients, like bottled organic nutrients, like. Yeah. Um, uh, whatever your 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 one of choice, uh, you know, uh, just pour that in there. It'll root like crazy in Jamaica. All yeah. we, I would take them and put them in. We had a whole empty grow bed, and all I would do is take cuttings off the the moringa trees, and man, they would root in two weeks. No, you know, two two. Oh to yeah, four. well, you know, Angie, she takes uh, the big, but she chops a big uh, wooden part. You know that that, and she cuts them like four or five feet long, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, but a couple of the smaller ones that she's like stuck we, in the ground, yeah, they can root. Right, you can root yeah. a much smaller one. Yeah. But I've seen, I've seen tree when they recommended growing trees. I agree, I agree. I've seen where the the professional tree of where they would root something to be to turn around and either a cell or to to do a farm. They would do a three or four foot cutting of tree off the end of a limb and yeah. then they would root the whole they would root it and the roots pretty easy i mean i did it with a willow tree and i cut like because I, I i went read about it you know like 20 years ago and and i cut them about that long and i just stuck them all in a net pot in a five gallon bucket filled with water and you know to start off or you know or no i took the net pot i used a five gallon bucket that had been cut the top had been cut for a net pot and just put them down in there 
and they rooted naturally just in the well water in the rainwater that we had around here. For moringa, it doesn't matter too much because moringa will grow 12 to 14 feet in a year. So yeah, it, well, that, that sounds like it roots for really Even if it's a weed clone cutting, I mean, you're looking at, you know, you're still going to have fruit that grows. Yeah, it grows super fast. So incredibly fast. fast. It's like and deeply insane. It'll grow on bare rock. I've seen it in Jamaica on like <laughs> bare coral reef rock. Like, yeah, it doesn't need any nutrients. Yeah, just it, sends yeah. roots it's down so far. <laughs> I've seen it on the beach in Jamaica, like straight up, like on the beach where it's drinking salt water, you know, partially brackish water. Wow. I'm sure, yeah. you know. Wow. So. Well, that would have to do with the mycorrhizae fungi. Man. Or it just is a very efficient plant that doesn't need them. Like a coconut tree doesn't need micro. Uh, there, well, they have mycorrhizal endomycorrhizal fungi, but they don't need it. Um, they can straight up grow and just salt. You know, they don't give a shit. The same yeah, thing with thing, their coconut tree, the the moringa is that is that supposedly moringa. a water island? I don't know where moringa is from originally. I think it's African. Memory serves me. Correct. I think you know, you're right. Could way it could be either way. It's brackish salt water. It could. You never know. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you. What do you think, Mr. Green Jeans? Or do you were, you know. Where it's from, I think it's from uh, Africa, but I think it's the, in so many cultures all over the world that, that people use it. It doesn't surprise me that it's salt tolerant. It's definitely, uh, you know, tolerant of uh, the soil we have here, which is pretty alkaline, I think, you know, and our water is really alkaline. And it doesn't seem to mind that too much. I, I think it doesn't like cold, wet roots in the wintertime. That's why it's cool <laughs> that... that when it gets really big, it seems it can, you know, it, it does goes through through the winter better. But if you don't let it get really huge, then and get deeply rooted, then uh, maybe it doesn't like cold uh, roots. You know, Dude, when so. you talk about your water is alkaline, are you got city water or a well? Uh, it comes from the call, yeah, like city it's Colorado River water. It's probably about three hundred parts per million or high twos in uh hardness and, and it's oh it's ph it's probably about 50 50 uh carbonate hardness and halite or salt hardness i think around but what would uh man it's <laughs> sometimes it's like i think at least eight maybe nine oh, wow. sometimes okay that's why i asked when you said extremely alkaline yeah eight is extremely yeah. alkaline <laughs> Couldn't be nine. That's ridiculous, right? But not eight. No, eight no, yeah. it could be. I'm, I've, I've had guys yeah. come on the forum and say they had some ungodly pHs. Now, it uh, doesn't mean they didn't have a bad meter or something, but but yeah. eight, eight sounds like. Yeah, I haven't water, checked it in a long time. City yeah. water eight. Scared me last time. It's hard to say. Eight is about right. Moringa, Moringa is native to Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, Nepal, and Pakistan. That's where it's from. Uh, well, check it out. Yeah. So it's a Kush region kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. All these medicinal plants seem to come from the same place. <laughs> it's also it's a real nutritional. <laughs> like the, the leaves are really leaves are really good. <laughs> they're, they're really good to eat. Yeah, I mean, they're just, uh, they have like a even protein in them. The too. In Jamaica, I, we would just eat the seeds right out of the pods because they're sweet. Oh, yeah, they're properly ripe. They're sweet. 
And you can also grind the seeds up into a powder and they use that as a replacement for like a sugar replacement for diabetics. And other yes, people. I heard they give you, they make you, they give you diarrhea or something like that. If you, I never tried, but if you eat like four oh. or five of them or whatever. No, no that's I, not true because I've eaten over 80. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you firsthand. And I definitely, yeah. I mean, I have some hardcore digestive issues and, you know, if it was going to affect anybody, it would affect me. So <laughs> yeah, but everybody is different. So you never know. You might be the one, one of the few people because of your screwed up digestive system that you could do that and other people would be shitting their brains out so vitamin a vitamin b vitamin yeah. Ridiculous. You know, it's, it's a really good general vitamin plant miracle you know, nutrition the miracle not only that it, it'll extract those vitamins from really poor soils so you can put this plant in, in really totally crap soil and it'll pull those nutrients out of the ground yeah 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 the, uh, i think in in india they call it <clears throat> the drumstick tree which oh. i think is it's funny because the beans get really you know hard and they perfectly straight yep. and then you can easily use them they're good you can just air drum with them and <laughs> like rattles you can grind the pods up and make a flour out of them for cooking you can also feed them their great animal feed. You're just going to harvest the seeds. You know, a great goat, chicken, or um, or cow feed, you know, or, or, or pig feed. It's a really, really, really good source for them as well. So it's a really, really good general plant, not only medicinally and vitamin, you know, for vitamins, but also just for, for your whole, per, you know, if you're doing a permaculture setup, it's really a, a great option. So. Um, I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap the show up here. Um, uh, I've been working on a whole bunch of projects. Uh, it seems like here at the end of the year, uh, end of last year, beginning of this year, all of a sudden a whole bunch of people uh, got their permits or got close enough to where they, they're ready to throw down. So I've been swamped with work, which has been awesome. Um, I'm buried up to my eyeballs in, in aquaponic cannabis projects right now, which is really cool. Um, there's a couple of other cool things cooking up that we'll be making announcements announcements on hopefully in the March, beginning of April. I have some really cool stuff in the works that we're making public announcements on. We're not going to do that until we have products on retail, uh, which we'll, we're not too far off. So that'll be really cool. Um, what else? Um, that's about it. Just working on growing. I got some stuff growing. Be traveling a hell of a lot. We'll be doing some cool episodes. Next week's going to be a really awesome episode. We'll have a whole lot of really cool guests. Um, we'll have uh, uh, Dr. Elaine Ingham. We'll have uh, Jeff Steensland. We'll have myself. We'll have Josh. We'll have uh, uh, Dutch Blooms. We'll have Leighton from Kingdom Aquaponics. We'll have, um, I'm not sure who else is going to be at the house. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Tomorrow. There's going to be a little bit of a shindig going on. I'm going to be doing the podcast live from that. So it'll be a lot of fun. If you got some questions for some gurus, there's going to be a bunch of them there. And if you ask a question that none of us know, probably isn't, you know, hasn't been researched. So it'll be we'll a lot of fun. I'll give you a t-shirt if you <laughs> <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> um, I promise I'll give you an ILGM t-shirt if you stump the crowd next week. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that'll be really cool. Um, I have some other cool episodes we'll be doing from uh, from Canadian land. I think we're going to go up and visit um, 
Mark Emery's place, which is a, a really cool spot. I've never actually got a chance to go to his whole block. So we'll go up to Cannabis Culture and um, and their, uh, their smoking lounge and stuff in Vancouver. So that'll be a lot of fun um, next week. Uh, and um, what else we got going on? Uh, I have some really cool stuff going on, I think, in the middle of February and if, and again uh, in April and, and May. I'll be, I'll be doing some filming in a really freaking cool place that'll be very different than anything you guys have seen before, I assure you that. Um, where else are we doing? Yeah, that's about it, at least in the short term. Um, we have a bunch of cool guests on. Uh, I have a, a Blue Labs will be on the show here soon. Um, we have a couple of other cool regenerative growers along uh, with um, uh, a couple of really cool CBD guys that will be coming on the show here soon as well. Um, I just want to say thank you again to everyone for your continued support. Um, it's really awesome to start another year. I actually looked it up here. We started off this question at the beginning of the, uh, the episode. It was way back in March of 2016, uh, the very beginning of Mar or March uh, of 2016 that Marty and I started the show. And uh, it's really awesome here uh, three years later to be with you guys and, and you know the community that we've built and all the awesome people that we've managed to, to interact with. And, and all the, all the you know, uh, even look at the Regenerative Organic Cannabis Conference that started after um, Josh heard Leighton on the podcast and reached out to him and, and that spawned the whole, the whole thing. I'm not taking credit in any way, shape or form. Those guys put in a shit ton of work to make that thing happen. But as a, you know, pure happenstance, if it wasn't for this show, who knows if that would actually would be a thing right now. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm super blessed to have this whole community in my life and I want to thank all of you for being part of it and I look forward to another year of having all of you guys, you know, be part of my life. And I really appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Um, do you guys want to tell everybody how to find you? GreenJeansGarden.com. The real deal. Real Mr. Green Jeans. Yeah, I like that too. Not the imposter. Not, Not the, the imposter. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> real, just look at him. You can tell he's original, you know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's got gray hair, the other one doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, it hasn't been yeah. alive as long as this one's been growing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. What about you? I, I love growingmarijuana.com. You all know that. And, uh, yeah, we, we got some irons in the fire we'll be coming up with after the first year. It's a new year. Uh, we got some new things going on. I can't wait to open up to them. But uh, I'm not going to do that right now. I can't wait to introduce them. Well, I do want to add to some somebody we got coming on. And uh, uh, but we got a blazing hot uh, sh pastry chef from Massachusetts who is specializing in edibles and stuff through her pastry business. And we'll announce that later on when we get her signed up for the show. I think you'll enjoy it. And she also is a is a fan and and also already knows and and incorporates the uh, infused coconut oil kind of method in her medicine too so uh, it, it should be a very interesting night to have her on because uh we're all interested in that and how to make ourselves feel better organically and without op opioids down with opioids and monsanto okay that's me and uh um marty is uh, at ap meds and i'll are you there marty i think he stepped out uh, Marty is at AP Meds, uh, both on Patreon. He's been doing a lot of stuff on Patreon again lately and on uh, YouTube. 
So be sure to check him out and support him. And him and I also teach uh, an aquaponic cannabis class. The next one's coming up in February. And we also, or I teach a medicinal herb class. The next one's coming up here in the end of uh, January uh, on aquaponics specifically. And um, uh, so if you're interested in checking out either one of those topics and you're looking for a whole weekend worth of in-depth education specifically on the topic, you, really, you know, this is everything you want to know, IPM, nutrients, the whole nine, um, design, you know, any questions you've had, you know, we'll, we'll walk you through it. Um, you know, we spend about, uh, what is it, two, two, eight, two eight-hour sessions plus, you know, extra questions at the end of each day. So, however, until you guys are all happy, you know, it's really a wonderful class. I, you know, uh, the two guys here have taken it and really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, they've spoken for themselves on multiple occasions. Um, there's plenty of other people on the show that are now involved in one way or another that, that started off as, as people from the class. So, it's, it's really cool to, uh, to, to see the community grow in that way. So, if you're interested in more formal training, check that out. Um, you can also check me out over at potentponics.com if you're interested in consulting for aquaponic cannabis. Or if you just um, want to find out more or check out other episodes, you can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, uh, at Potentponics, uh, WeTV, um, iHeartRadio, uh, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, uh, the WeTube. Uh, we're on anywhere I can find that'll let us upload. So. Um, yeah, be sure to check us out if you're having a hard time finding us. Uh, you got plenty of options. So, uh, thanks a lot, everyone. Ch uh, and we'll be back next week with a really freaking cool episode with a whole bunch of cool guests all jamming out at once. And uh, I think it'll be a really good time. So we'll catch you guys again uh, next week. Take care. Good night, y'all.